Due to illness, Star Trek Monthly Mondays will not be heard this week. Instead, we bring you the following two True Freaks special. Simulation via the internet. Scott Gardner. He's an asshole. And Chris Honeywell. Boy, is he great. It appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our final boarding call and the doors will be closing soon. Please board quickly and safely. Our monorail will be departing momentarily. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. Sorry I've been away so long and uh, you guys haven't heard my voice in a while. And for you newbies, you might not even know who I am. I am Scott Gardner and joining me is a man that truly needs no introduction. I am Chris Honeywell. I am a millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. Sorry. <laughs> Is that from something? Yeah, that's from uh I am I am Elmo Fudd, millionaire. Oh okay. a mansion and a yacht. Alright. Okay. I didn't, I didn't There's gotta be reference. some Looney Tunes fans out there somewhere, you know. We always you know we always seem to get those references that, you know, one out of fifty thousand people are gonna pick up. I mean, I consider myself a Looney Tunes fan. I don't know which which one is that one from. I'm try. Uh, he has he he has some sort of amnesia in it, and he gets hit on the head. And that's all I can remember is he gets hit on the head, 
And he keeps saying in a robotic voice, My name is Elmo Fudd. I'm a millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. Ooh, you stumped me on that one. I don't think I've seen that one. Or if I've seen it, I don't remember. Is it a newer, like a classic one or a newer one? It is a classic one. I think it might even be on the older end of classic. You know, it Uh, might be on a little one. Like when when, he was uh, fat, Elmer Fudd? When he was fat, doughier, yeah. When he was doughier and rounder and sort of had more gravity working on him. (laughs) Yeah. The early, early stuff. Man, we di- we haven't even made it through the introduction, and we're off on a tangent. That's I how, know. That's how sorry that's my we are fault. as podcasters. That's my fault. It, it is all your in fault. My, yeah, it is it totally was, your fault. It was the way I introduced myself. <laughs> Please allow me to introduce myself. <laughs> but anyway, man, I can't. I'm serious, dude. I don't think I've been this excited for one of our episodes since we did Star Trek The Motion Picture. And you remember how just beside myself I was with, with giddiness and anticipation. Actually, yes. like, was... Did you was, do that? Did we do that before or after the Tron episode, too? Because you were pretty hyped up for that Tron episode. You're right. Also. You're right. I, you know, I think Tron... I think Tron I was... I, I can't remember. Pfft, yeah, my yeah. sucks. I really... I don't remember anything anymore. I'm gonna be one of those people that they're gonna, you know, have the have the amber alerts out for, you know, wandering the streets and stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know, like I'm talking like when next you're like year. 52 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's not even gonna be when I'm in like my my 80s or 90s. It's gonna right. be you know within like the next five years, I figure, because I I'm just I'm serious, dude. My mind is just going. It's pitiful. <laughs> you know, it's like I can I can I can. Recall like what happened in specific comic book issues, and remember the numbers and stuff like that. But when oh it comes yeah, to, like, and every artist, you and Bailey are like weird computers that will just <laughs> you know, and it's funny because you'll do it with no prep. You know, it'll be a tangent on a comic, and somebody will say, "Ah oh, yes, you know, you remember that story when Superman stubbed his <laughs> toe on that brick?" And you're like, "Ah oh, yes, number one fifty two, and Mike will pitch in with you know oh yeah that was the one that was edited by blah 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 it had a great letter in the letters column i just thought a way of a way to bring this all back to what we're going to talk about i was going to say speaking of memory no, I, I can do it is it's today i was out with a and uh i met up with a good friend of ours good friend of the show our buddy shag the oh. irredeemable shag and i got together for just a little while about an hour today um turns out that his uh i believe it was it's either his sister oh, he's going to he listens to this he's gonna be getting mad at me for forgetting it's either his sister or his sister-in-law i believe it's his sister but anyway they were on their way there um driving to uh his sister's house for uh as we record this it's the night before thanksgiving Mm -hmm. so they were on their way there for thanksgiving and uh he had just a little bit of time so he was like hey dude let's meet up so uh it turned out that the town where they live sanford is like you know it's like what maybe 20 minutes up the road from me so i drove up there and then it turns out that there's an awesome comic shop up there, which uh, I promised uh, the dude behind the counter that uh, I would say nothing but glowing things about. But I will be talking about that next uh, Comics Monthly Monday that I'm a, a part of, so I'll save that. Anyway, we were doing the thing that you were talking about. We're, so we're standing there, and this, this comic shop had dollar bins. And we were standing there flipping through and pulling stuff out and doing the whole, hey, remember when so-and-so was in this? And, oh, yeah, you know, he died an issue, blah, blah, blah. You know, that sort of thing. And just like I could see the other people that were in the place, you know, it was like a half and half split of some of them being like really super annoyed and then other ones being like, wow, these guys really know their shit, you know. So it was actually, it was really cool. But 
bringing it all back around. By the way, um, I want to throw this out real quick. Uh, big, 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 huge, awesome thanks to Shag. Um, because he learned that, uh, you know, granted I would be working and everything, so it's it's not a huge deal. But he learned that I was going to be alone for Thanksgiving. Um, you know, we just recently moved to Florida. And my wife and my oldest boy, they've really been missing, you know, the, the folks back in Georgia, you know, my, my wife's family. So they decided, you know, my wife had the holiday off and everything. The kids are out of school. Dad's got to work. So they figured, well, you know, they're going to head home for Thanksgiving, which left me here by myself. No big deal because, like I say, I have to work. But Shag found out about this and was very cool, very gracious, very generous, invited me to Thanksgiving dinner with, with his family. I thought that was really awesome, and I wanted to publicly thank him for it. So I will be joining uh, the Irredeemable Shag and his very, very nice family tomorrow for uh, for Thanksgiving dinner. And I just uh, wow. want to say thanks for that publicly, because I, I thought that was really awesome. Um, but here, listen to this. Here, Here's the long way around what I wanted to talk about. How is this for serendipity, right? So we're digging through the dollar bins, whipping through. I find Logan's Run number one, the Marvel adaptation, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. I already have the whole run of Logan's Run. There was, I, th- I believe, seven issues, if I remember properly. However many issues there are, I already had this. I've had it. How for close years. am I? Run, Jessica, run! <laughs> the Sandmen are coming and they want to kill us. It's pretty close, yeah. She's saying, Logan, they're out to kill us, and he's saying, run, Jessica, run. You're absolutely right. I remember the first, I remember when I was a kid having the first two issues and going wow i see what the uh, running theme is here but, run they're trying to kill us but i i ended up buying this for a buck and i'll tell you why because i i you know i'm flipping through the bin i find this i pull it out out of curiosity and i hold it up for a second. i was like hey chris and i are going to be talking about this tonight how cool is that and he's like dude there's something on the cover so i look on the cover out of the dollar bin mind you this book is signed on the cover by no other, none other than George Perez, Ooh. the artist. Now, I met George Perez when you and I went to Dragon Con, right. not, not the past one, but the year before when we went to Dragon Con. Met George, had a you know really good time meeting him, talking to him. I was nice. flat broke, super so nice guy, super super nice guy. But yep. you know, I was flat broke, so I didn't get a chance to to have him autograph the one book that I brought to have him autograph for me. Which, Which was Logan's Run number two, <laughs> because when I, you know, I think I've told this story before, but you know, when I used to go to my grandma Federley's house, she had a few comics laying around the house, and I'm, I always struggle to remember: did I learn about the movie first or the comic first? And I think one of the reasons I became a fan of the movie was because I read that comic first. I'm almost positive that I was introduced to Logan's Run through the comic adaptation. Second issue, mind you, rather than the movie. I'm almost positive that. But anyway, I was telling George that story, and he got such a kick out of it. And he was like, well, why not bring me the first issue? And, you know, so then I told him the whole story about, you know, it being the second issue. Anyway, finally, after all this time, I got my autograph, you know, my autographed yeah. Logan's Run by George Perez out of the dollar bin on the day that we're going to talk about this. I mean, how weird is that, you know? You know, and you just saying that, I think I read the comic first, too. I re- read the comic, and then I think I saw the TV show, 
and then I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And the movie freaked me out because it wasn't like the TV show and like I had pictured from the comic. The com- you know what I mean? Yeah, the comic is awesome, though. I mean, really, the only thing about the comic is that Logan, Jessica, and Francis don't look like the actors. They probably couldn't get the licenses or what. Right. I really wish I had time today to have pulled out all the other issues of the adaptation and reread them just for fun and to make like comparisons or what. But one thing, there was a mystery solved for me right away just as, as we were sitting here talking. I was just kind of breezing through the issue, just really just, you know, soaking up this gorgeous, gorgeous art. Because, I mean, this is fantastic. It's early, early Perez. Hungry Perez, I would I would describe it as. Inked hungry, by- hungry Perez. <laughs> Inked by uh, Klaus Jansen, beautiful stuff. But I was watching, you know, I watched the movie just before we sat down to do this, and there was a short on the version that I have. There's only one bonus feature, and it's it's kind of crap. I mean, it, it's like a ten minute documentary, and I'm pretty sure it was made at the time the movie was made. So you know, it's very seventies, not really right. in depth. It's more like a commercial for the movie more than anything. Yes. But there I think was, I have the same DVD as you do. Well, did you watch that feature? No, I didn't. Well, there was a part in that where you know the the guy, the narrator's talking, so you didn't really get to hear the sound of the scene that was going on in the background. But there was a scene of a runner running through um, arcade, and all these people are around, and like the crowd splits to let him run and everything, and he stops at the fountain. And he's he looking around like he's cornered or what, and then all of a sudden he's hit in the chest by one of their gun, you know, the Sandman guns, falls into the fountain and dies. I'm thinking, wait a minute, that scene's not in the movie. So it was like a cut scene, and then I'm tr- I was trying to put it in my head. All right, where in the hell would that have fit into the movie if it had been included? That's how the adaptation starts. On page, you know, page one is a splash, you know, title splash page. Page two and three, that's how the story starts. Um, uh-huh. You've got a runner running through Cathedral, and Francis takes him down, uh, you know, gorgeous uh, Perez art style. And then um, after a two-page ad on page uh, – oh, this says page – oh, I see. They, they numbered the uh, ad pages too. This is actually page four of the story. It starts where Logan is looking in nursery at uh, Logan 6, right where the movie started. Right, right. So I thought that was cool. So I'm, I'm now I really want to dig out the other issues and, and reread the whole thing to see if maybe there's other bonus features. Because you know, you and I have talked before. That was one of the things we loved about comic adaptations back in the day. You know, that, especially that Marvel would do is they would throw in the stuff that you know got left on the cutting room floor or whatever. Or they would, or it would get cut before they knew it was going to get cut. You know, they would they would get the script or you know or the you know that they were working on, or they would get maybe. I imagine more it was a script back in those days and like a videotape of the movie or anything. Mm-hmm. But they might, uh, you know, they might at the last second decide to cut that off the beginning of the movie because of the flow of things or whatever, you know, for whatever reason. Right. And uh, they just didn't know it in the comics. Or, you know, or they did it on purpose. It's hard to say. We have to get, we have to get the writers on here to find out. So in the in the interest of uh, of trying to be uh, semi professional, uh, <laughs> what we're going to ta- be talking about tonight is uh, I don't know if you would describe this, Chris, as one of your favorite movies. This is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. I, it, I don't know if I would put it in, in my favorite movie category, although it was a very 
like when it came out, it was something I really, you know, it, it took up a rewatching it. I had forgotten how much of the lore of Logan's run was, you know, sort of built in, you know, the, you know, the crystals and how the crystals change colors. Right. And as I watched it and, uh, as I was, and, uh, what's funny is I also had been watching the pilot of the TV show and I watched the first half of the pilot of the TV show and it was just amazing to me especially mostly from the comics cuz the comics you know were the fir- probably the first thing i read and you know it's almost like reading the novelization there's a lot of um descriptive stuff that's telling you internal monologue you know dialogue and stuff like that so you get a little different perspective than watching the movie and then the tv show sort of had a cliff notes half-assed retelling of the movie sort of and twisting it to change it into the TV mode, but um, man, I you know I I I ate it up. I was I remember being disappointed by the movie when I finally saw it as a kid, and then seeing it later on and going, "That's a really good movie," but man, it has seventies damage, like crazy. <laughs> and now watching it again, I don't mind that seventies damage. No, like crazy. I think maybe it's worked its way back into it. It was sort of the 70s was sort of when you'd see it, it looked cheesy. And then that cheesy sort of got held up as like, hey, this is cheesy and funny. And then people were like, you know, but I kind of still like it. And it's now back in acceptance. So it doesn't look as flaky as it did even when I first saw it on TV. You know, that's when I first saw Logan's Run was on network TV, hacked to pieces, you know, I'm sure. And I thought it just had a, and, and, you know, it just didn't hold a candle to Star Wars <laughs> as far as special. Oh, yeah. If you stuff. see that, you know, I if, was underwhelmed. Yeah. If you, if you've seen this post Star Wars, then especially I would say, you know, if, if, if you're, you know, much younger than us, then I think it is easy to look at this movie and go, ah, oh, you know, it's really cheesy, it's really slow, you know, the special yeah, but I've, effects. I've aren't turned that around from that again. I will say this, I fired up my new I've had my little new home bedroom home entertainment system where I have my projector where I can watch movies up on the wall. But I haven't really used it much. I found myself still watching movies on the computer. But I decided I was going to watch Logan's Run, and it, and I've rigged it up now to where you know I can sit in bed and I have a nice big screen, and I watched Logan's Run, and it was great because it was sort of cheesy space age technology, you know, watching my projection of Logan's Run and cheesy sci-fi, you know, seventies sci-fi going at the same time and it was it was a riot the the only other movie i've watched projected was sort of from the 70s too and that was zardoz so i've had a (laughs) a real um but boy i really i really enjoyed the hell out of it a lot more than at first and it's so funny that the difference the it's the story of logan's run is so simple yet 
there's the movie story. There's the original. It diverges from the book story. Well, I'll tell you what. Let, let's let's go into that for just a moment because I'm wondering how much. I'm sure that there's going to be a large portion of our of our listening audience that's going to be you know really excited for this episode because they they remember the movie and they have you know right. fond memories or they think it was a bunch of cheese or whatever. But I bet you, you know, knowing our audience and and we have a lot of uh, younger listeners, I bet you there's a large portion you know maybe even the majority portion that have never seen it or don't really know what it's about, or they've only heard, you know, what a, what a piece of crap it is or whatever. So do we want to run down basically the movie? Here's here's where I get in trouble. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Here's where you get in trouble. We should definitely do that. And while I was going to say before I, before I thought we were, I was, I was going to say, um, I thought we were going to bring up the book, and I was going to say, "Here's where I get embarrassed because I don't, I don't remember the author of the book." But the book was the Is first like thing. Nolan, like William Nolan, or something so, like that. William Nolan, I think it is Nolan. Uh, William F. Nolan, yeah, that's Good. it. Awesome. Uh, don't. Uh, it's not the memory, dude. I, well, I remembered the last name, but then I remembered I also have the wiki page up in front of me. So. And, uh, hey, all right. <laughs> and before we like, and still, we, you know, I think telling the story of the movie that'll sort of officially start the show. Before we do that, I just want to shout out to Darren Owens, who's our truck driving friend. With an email. You know, just sort of offhandedly said, "Hey, do you guys like Logan's Run? Uh, can, will we ever hear a Logan's Run show?" And no, never. Granted, we have talked about doing a Logan's Run show, but you know, yeah, that definitely put it back on the radar. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, you definitely uh, brought the Logan's Run show into fruition way sooner than it probably would have if we were just left on our own. You know, I suddenly realized, though, that I, I'm feeling great shame right now because I, I realized that wasn't it just about a year ago? Just I think it was just about a year ago that that we had made all these promises that you know we're really going to try to get more of the the backburner stuff you know pushed to the forefront and you know we we talked about this and like Back to the Future and Planet of the Apes. I I still want to do that. Actually, now that we we're doing this one, the next one for me is TV. Yeah. That movie. Now that we're doing this one, I I think my next pet project, the one I really want to try to uh, to get to, is Planet of the Apes. At least the first movie, because God, I love Planet of the Apes. Me too. But, uh, that's uh, uh, I some monkey puppies. <laughs> I just had a brain fart. I can't remember what I was going to say. Sounded like but, you had a mouth fart too there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's awesome. And uh, my uh, my grandfather used to drive uh, drive truck. He drove for uh, what was it? Something something oxygen, like Burdette oxygen or something like that. Oh my God! He used to drive trucks full of like pressurized oxygen. Something like that. Yeah. It's like driving like a rock, you know, a like rocket. Yeah. Rocket around. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah I, one of the one of the the few pictures that I can remember being around at my grandmother's because for some reason she she didn't keep pictures out of him I don't know why I mean you know, he he was you know dead as I grew up you know he'd been long dead but 
Um, I remember a picture of him standing in front of his truck. So I've always had this affinity for truck drivers somehow just because, ah, is that weird? You know, like I never really knew my grandfather. So, you know, it made me uh, kind of fond of truck drivers. For some, I don't know. I'm kind of fond of truck drivers because when I go to the grocery store, it's full of food. <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> there you go. I'm having turkey tomorrow because of truck drivers. Well, let's go ahead and dive into this. Um, I'll, I'll just give the briefest of rundowns because I'll tell no, you right let's now. Let's float into it like we're in Carousel. <laughs> if you haven't ever seen this movie, this is going to be a spoilerific episode, all right? And I really want you guys, if you haven't ever seen it, especially if you haven't seen it because you heard it was bad, I want you to check it out. As it's a matter of fact, not as bad. much as I want you to listen to our show, I actually would, would much rather you just turn us off right now Go watch the movie and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode. All right, good. I, I really would it. rather people do that because I'd, I'd rather not spoil it for you if you've never seen it. I'd rather you, you go right now on our word and our enthusiasm for this episode. Go watch it and then come back. So I'll wait. Okay, so they're back. All right, I hope you liked it because now we're going to talk about it. So, all right, so anyway, to re- refresh or for those of you that are just too damn lazy to, to go rent the DVD or yep. whatever. All right, so here's the story. Or broke. This is basically like, you know, this is like a parallel universe to Star Trek is kind of how I look at it because it takes place at almost the same time as, like, say, Star Trek, the motion picture. It's the year. You know, you're right. Something. It's the 23rd century. As it a matter is. of fact, I, I got to get a copy of of the one sheet poster because it says right at the top, welcome well, it's to the, the 24th 20- century. Cause it's 23 something. No, no, it's 23rd. Cause well, when, tw- when carousel is starting, the, the computer says Capricorn 15, you're the city 22 something. Oh, okay. So it is a 23rd century. 23rd century. Mm-hmm. You're correct. Last day, Capricorn 15s, year of the city, 2274. Carousel begins. Yes, okay. <laughs> I thought they said like it was like twenty three something, but and I'm I'm not trying to sound like a like a Mister Know It All, but this no, you is, know I don't know if you remember I do, this or not. Sure. This was one of the first movies I ever audio recorded off a of television with oh. with you know remember the old clunky Radio Shack tape recorder? Yes, and we had a whole bunch of movies that between us we recorded all these movies. Uh huh. This was one of the first ones I ever did. And I wore this tape out listening to it. So this is one of those few movies like, say, Star Wars. I know it, you know, verbatim by listening to that tape like a zillion times. So (laughs) that's how into this movie I was as a kid. But uh, it's the 23rd century and society lives in these these domed structures, like these these domed cities. Um, Think like Epcot. And that's basically how people are living. It, it, it's yeah, I get a ser- whenever I see the beginning of this movie and you see all the the little tube vehicles and all these futuristic bi- buildings and the way things are laid out. It's very Epcotish, right? And everybody lives under these domes, and the society is entirely run by computer. So that from what it looks like in the movie, people don't actually do anything. They don't work. They don't have jobs. They don't really have functions. 
other than one segment Enjoyment. of society, which we get to. Yeah, it's basically it's a it's a society of total indulgence and pleasure, and you know, doing whatever your thing is and whatever you want to do. It's like the perfect utopian society with one small catch, and that catch is nobody is allowed to live past thirty. On your thirtieth birthday, you are expected to go to something called carousel, which is basically the the society has been indoctrinated that you go put yourself on carousel and you will be. How is it? They don't think of themselves as being killed. They think of themselves as being like renewed. Well, yeah, with the possibility of being renewed. They think that you know if they 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 believe strong enough or something that that they'll be reborn but basically what happens is they're just they're terminated and there's one section of the society that does actually work and fulfill a a purpose and that is the sandmen and the sandmen are the police officers of this society whenever there's citizens that reach their 30th birthday and don't go to carousel then they're labeled as runners and it's the Sandman's job to track down the runners and kill them. So this story focuses on uh, one Sandman and one Sandman in particular. His name's Logan Five. And as we start the movie, he's already kind of questioning society and the things that he's been told and in, in his indoctrination. Um, he's approaching, you know, the end of his life. He's only got four more years left. And in the course of the story. He gets involved with uh, a woman, Jessica Six, who's much younger than him, and they kind of have this weird, uneasy relationship. Well, in the course of the of the movie, Logan and his best friend Francis Seven they terminate a runner, and one of the objects that Logan takes off of the runner is an onk. And when he takes the the dead runner's personal effects to the computer for whatever reason they do that, I guess to be disposed of or something. The computer focuses on this onk, and then brings Logan in on this plot that's going on. That the computer knows that there's an underground movement to try to get people to a place called Sanctuary, and so the computer assigns Logan Five the job of impersonating a runner, finding Sanctuary, and exterminating anybody that he finds there because there's runners that are unaccounted for. And in order to, you know, make this like the perfect masquerade, the computer actually accelerates Logan's life clock to the point where Logan is now a runner. He's on last day, and so it becomes, to me anyway, this is where our, uh, the movie fascinates me. Is it becomes really about Logan and his motivations and what is he thinking in his head. Because he very quickly realizes the computer does not intend to give him back his four years. When he completes his assignment, his life is over, and so it becomes programming versus will to live. And this movie's great in the way that um, Logan. If you pay attention to the movie, Logan doesn't instantly fall into either camp. He doesn't decide okay this is my mission and i'm going to fulfill it and he also doesn't decide well i'm just going to become a runner because i don't want to die he actually does waffle back and forth yeah and i think it's not until he kills a fellow sandman for the first time 
then he realizes he's crossed a line he can't the point of no return yeah but i have I, like a, I have a theory about the ending of this i'm i'm curious to when we get to the end of it to see what you think of it what's that i think the computer used uh, okay i think when the cities were set up they were used as an incubator for humanity uh-huh and they were like okay you know this is we can only keep so many people in there so they figured out 30 years old okay that's the upper limit so we have to you know to keep the birth rate and the death rate in order but what they did was the computer waited till they found someone like Logan that was uh, a Sandman but starting to doubt which was like you know Sandman are treated are like the royalty they're they're, they're super trained from when since they were born to be Sandman so they're indoctrinated right so I think that when the computer found got an ankh which is you know the thing that opens up the door to get out of the city and the Sandman brought it and with the right psychological profile the computer sent him out there and sent him out there with the hopes or not with the hopes but if okay so he went out and he survived and what did he do he came back to tell everybody and when he came back they grabbed him and um, basically when the computer saw him and and you know was like what about sanctuary and you know there is no sanctuary you know that computer just did a Star Trek you know he just pulled a Kirk Star Trek computer move and makes it you know he just short circuits the whole dome you know Uh basically the whole dome just blows up the computer error 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 (laughs) blows up the whole dome so I think the computer was was waiting for someday when somebody would go out of the dome and come back and it was apparent that people could survive outside and was like, okay, it's time to self, you know, that triggers a self-destruct. I don't know. And then humanity can go back out and figure out how to live on the earth because it's no longer a radioactive wasteland. So it was sort of like this built-in... That's an interesting take on it, but I I don't buy it. I don't know. I don't think that's how they they meant it to be because I'll tell you why I don't think that's how they meant it to be. But I think it could. That's how I would. That's how I would retro fit everything because it's weird that the computer just at the end is just like what what the fuck boom and every everybody is just sort of like wandering out of the dome. I tried to keep the nitpicks to a to a minimum for this, only because I really do love this movie, and I give it very wide passes. But that's one thing that's always bothered me, is that, um, yeah, yeah, that part's kind of inexplicable. Why did the computer just pop? You know, I mean, why? You know, just because he sits there and and denies, you know, the existence of yeah. Of uh, sanctuary, I mean, and that computer's been running a whole city for right. years and years and years and year, generations and generations. You'd think that a, 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 it's it's not even like handed a logical conundrum or anything like that, you know? Right. Or it's just sort of like, oh, there is no sanctuary. Well, 
But as a kid, that part was super melodramatic, you know, with the spinning hologram head of Logan going, there is no sanctuary. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of parts in this movie. I think one of the, the things that latched, you know, kept me latched into this movie and really kept you know kept this movie's claws into me was that there was a lot of stuff that scared me in this movie as a kid. Oh, yeah. Cause it's carousel, a chase movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the carousel thing at the beginning when they pull back their hoods and they've got the mask, that would scare me. The hologram heads of Logan and the way he talks going, There is no sanctuary. That used to scare the piss out of me when I was a kid. It's just, it's freaky. It's just well, weird, you know? Well, yeah, and, and the, well, the, the whole thing, I, the, you know what another thing about it is? Is I think a lot of the elements of it, you know, like the different gems and you know they turn different colors and then they turn red and then they flash on your last day uh-huh. and all that stuff really stuck as a kid and you know why because logan's run was the perfect like kids getting together play stuff because it had the whole like you know we can have the runners and then we can have the sandmen so you can have and the sandmen and there were there was just stuff that you did by the formula. So if a Sandman sees a runner, they go, Runner! You right, know? yeah. And they shoot at him, you know? And... Runner. No! Ah! Runner terminated at 016. Ready for cleanup, Cathedral Quadrant 39. And as <laughs> kids, we picked up on that stuff, you know? Right. And, uh... And picked up on all those like there's so many I I mean the whole carousel thing I think was the big was this movie's version equivalent of the cantina scene from Star Wars. It was a scene that really <laughs> captured people's imaginations and and tied everything together with the story because and it seemed cheesy I remember the first time I saw it but now watching it that whole scene with Carousel is even creepier now oh yeah they're, they're just standing there and all of a sudden one person just starts to float and then another person and then they're all just sort of floating and and then basically they're just like in a giant bug zapper yep. you know they just spark up and that's that's the end of them it's for the gruesome. TV show, they just glow and disappear, so they uh, softened it up a little for the TV show. I gotta be honest, I've I've never really given the the TV show a fair shake, but th- this is one of those it's rare instances of something that it's got. A cool- I, you know, I'm a huge fan of. I, I really love it and all that, but I'm perfectly content with what I've been given. You know, I really don't want to see. The next day at the city, you know, I, I really, no, no, I'm, the, I'm content the TV with the way shows, the movie ends, you know? The TV show's completely different, and it's basically, like, it's low budget, like, what can we shoot in Hollywood backlots, you know? Right. There's a lot of people, that they had a sort of hovercraft car. Didn't they have Lloyd they Bridges found, in it? I think at some point it might have had Lloyd Bridges in it. He wasn't in the first half hour of I could swear I've seen pictures so of him in a Sandman outfit or something but maybe I'm thinking something different but he would have been too old to be a, a, a Sandman at that point yeah that's true I maybe I don't know maybe I'm thinking of some, maybe he was old man I don't know that that's a character I always well let me see we did we didn't really finish the recap I guess or do you think no. that's enough of a recap yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it, it, well, that's the that's the scenario, and we'll yeah, that's the, the story basic, stuff yeah. by talking about it. Yeah, 
And if you can't piece it together, then watch the goddamn movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what they're talking about. How can I just? How can I decipher? There must be some sort of like Rosetta Stone or something that will tell me what it all means. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you, you know, you, you had mentioned about when it was on TV. And I'll never forget the first time I watched it in whatever format. And probably it had to be VHS, you know, uncut. Uh-huh. And how it blew my mind that, holy cow, there's boobies all over the place. Oh, there's nudity. There's and tits and ass. And yeah, I, I was like, wow, because uh, you know what? I think where I may have to There's lots that. of full nudity, but with just people twisted, lit, and blocked in enough yeah. so you only see boobies and butts and for a short period of time. When I was watching it today, um, there was a scene where they get to the love shop. And, uh, love you know, shop, baby. <laughs> not that I was looking for it, but there was a scene where it's the part where Logan and, and Jessica are trying to make eye contact. And they're, they're saying something back and forth. But, you know, the, the way the sound effects are played in that sequence, you don't hear what they're yeah. saying. And there was a shot of Jessica kind of standing there and she moves to the side. And I was like whoa, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And it looked like a dude standing there, full frontal, and I'm thinking, wow, for a 70s movie, I don't think so. Um, but then I got to looking at it closer, you know, not that I really wanted to, but it just, you know... What are you, like, curiosity. the TSA or something, man? <laughs> and it looked like he had, uh, like, uh, like Burt Ward tight type of thing, like flesh-colored tights on, so it wasn't... Right. So I was thinking, you know, I remember... Probably everybody my, my was in... Complained about movies, you know, where that have have you know TNA all over the place, but they don't throw any bones to the lady, uh, so to speak, to the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's uh, that. That was one of my big notes in this movie. Is back in those days, a PG movie. This is a PG movie. Could get away with a lot more oh, nudity yeah. and a lot less violence. Mm. Nowadays. You can't get away with any nudity in a PG movie, but you can get away with violence galore. So it's really strange how, you know, those things... I guess maybe the 70s were a little closer to the free love era or everything. I don't know. I just find that a little more healthy that, like, that like nudity was less, you know, frowned upon by the ratings. And it's weird because... It's it's funny. I, I'm not a big fan of the whole rating system, but it's true. It does change according to the public, you know, yeah. morals and the public, you know, what what offends people. And back then, you know, it was like, um, well, I know Barbarella was was er, was a little bit earlier than um, um, Logan's Run, but it's also a an example of a lot of nudity, especially if you're a teenager and you're watching. Which out movie are you talking about? Barbarella. With well, Jane see, that's Fonda. the thing, though, is that one was kind of made to to be a titillation movie, whereas but it I was don't still think this one was PG. Yeah, they're both PG movies, you know, and they they would be R-rated movies these days. You couldn't get away with that. Right. Even you can maybe get away with some fleeting nudity in a PG movie t- today, but it would probably make it PG-13 at this point. I was surprised again watching this today. I was surprised by you know, I, I you know once I had seen it uncut for the first time, then I realized that you know Jenny Auguter, uh that plays uh, Jessica. I mean, 
She's constant. I mean, you see her ass constantly through the movie because she's wearing that, you know, shorter than a Star Trek skirt outfit that well, she's, she's got with wearing, nothing she's under it. Nothing under. She's wearing nothing under yeah. it. And there's and, the one part and where I she was takes like, it and off. I was, yeah, I was watching yesterday, and I'm like, you know, it's funny because she might as well just be nude. And I'm like, oh my god, oh there is, oh well, she just. Well, that's wow, the thing though is, off. I never noticed as a kid, and, and it was it was really it was this viewing. Tonight, you know, watching it on DVD, you watch that scene at Carousel, and those women are not wearing anything under those. Things. No, nobody, everybody's running around. Everybody's free balling all around. It's <laughs> yeah. that, society. They're just, you know, they just have their little kimonos, and they're off because they're, you know, basically they had the internet. They had the, like, basically their own version of, um, oh, what the hell is that, that um, chat roulette? Yeah, that's the, how they the meet. That's, yeah, that's how they meet. You know, he just he, first it's a guy like, "Hey, sailor," and he's like, "The only eh, thing I got to no. thinking about that is that, you know, this is so much easier to to nitpick in the in the internet age, but I never thought of it until you know this viewing. But you know, he's doing that. You know, Logan's surfing the circuit. You know, looking for companionship or what, and he's actually beaming the people in. I mean, today you would just, you know, pull up some website or something and go, okay, right. I like her. She's hot. I'll beam her in. But he's actually like cycling. So these people are like, no, no, I got the impression or somewhere. Or I something? got the impression that they would stand there and maybe he was seeing their photo or, you know, seeing the video of them at first. And when he liked someone, he went boop. And then they, then they like would appear maybe either that or yeah, they're just in some sort of weird limbo where they're just being popped from persons yeah but then again you know how are they choosing are they just going and like yeah it isn't really explained exactly how it works but you know in a movie like that it was so we didn't have the internet to compare it to so it's just like oh you know it's a science fiction idea and like i like their drugs too were just balls that they threw at those ceiling that <laughs> dumped red dust down onto them and then they'd be like woohoo and have three ways but yeah that part where uh, if you watch that part you know francis throws that ball up it becomes that per that pink mist and as logan pulls those girls down onto him they're wearing nothing underneath those those uh skirt things that they've got because you get a nice a nice shot of that one girl's ass it was great it's it was it was the 70s and yeah and they were i mean it was it was sort of it's it's hard to say what they're make you know what they were making comments on what they were making comments on I mean it was filmed in a in a modernistic mall so there's a right. little mall culture being and, and this was at the same time like Dawn of the Dead came out so there was right. a, and it was the same time malls came out so there was right. a little bit of of making fun of mall culture and the free love generation and youth culture well, you know and I, religion that... it was just like hitting a lot of a lot of stuff, but it hits all of them pretty lightly. But it hits a lot of them. It's mostly just a chase film with a lot of little... And that's what makes great science fiction, you right. know? It keeps... it's if When you walk away from that movie at first, and I'll bet you the critics were like, ah, this is just a fluffy movie. It's basically a chase, you know? It's like an established, this is what the world's like. And then from that point on, it's like, run. <laughs> And, and they're running from one place to another, and that's what it is, is a chase propelled by Francis the Sandman. But, yeah, it has 
and and the way that they illustrate, you know, Carousel has their whole, you know, everybody's blindly following the religion of rebirth, almost like, um, you know, they've got a sort of uh, reincarnation sort of belief going, but it's all a belief that's just sort of of um, convenience to the society because it helps to <laughs> get the people into the carousel so they can get them out of there by the time they're 30. So it's it's it, it raises a lot of really interesting issues in a really seemingly fluffy movie. And uh, well, I think one of the big ones that, that I've always wondered about probably the biggest issue for me in the movie is how did they get there? You know, what what happened to the world to get them to that point? I mean, I could very... I, I could easily see certain... how we could reach certain aspects of Logan's world. You know, the, the dome cities and, you well, know, the computer the, caring the for everybody. The nuclear war scenario was always yeah. what I figured it was. And I mean, in that time period, too, that was just generally, if the world ended, that's how it had ended. And, the in, you know... Nowadays, if, if you're in a movie and the world's ended, it's usually like either a plague or a zombie apocalypse, which is plague. Right. You know? Well, I mean, clearly something, you know, because we see, you know, when, when Logan and Jessica get outside the dome, which th- that's where this movie really gets into my favorite aspects uh-huh. is when they're they're looking at the world that was, you know, and right. I'm always, always a sucker for... Yeah, you know, give me big monuments covered in moss, Fines, or, or you know, the Fines. Statue of Liberty sitting yes. on a beach, or something, and I'm there walking I, down I, an, uh, the the main thoroughfare into into Washington, and the road yeah. the is actually crumbled to rocks. You yeah. know, I love that. I mean, you know, you, you can make the cheesiest movie in the world. But if it ends where, you know, where at some point in the movie, you know, you've got some giant recognizable American historical monument, you know, busted up on the beach or covered in moss that's, or something. I can't wait to get to Planet of the Apes, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I love I love that stuff, too, man. I mean, that's why I, I clung to when I was a little kid, Land of the Lost, you know, when that was on that had an aspect of some weird, you know, abandoned civilization. Right wiped out civilization and i've always loved that that imagery and you know this one has some some great you know washington dc and the tv show had a great scene when they got to the capitol building it didn't have the old man at the capitol building they that's where they find their solar powered cool space car hovercraft Uh but uh they spend the night in the Capitol, and they're they're you know building a fire out of dollar bills and top secret documents you know (laughs) And, and I, I always find that funny seeing, you know, post-apocalyptic movies where people are like, oh, I'll put, throw some more kindling on that fire, you know? I'm wondering if there's, uh, if there might be another release out there beyond the DVD release that, that I own that maybe would have some better bonus features. Because this movie really needs, like, either, like, a really good documentary or, like, a, like a making of book or something like that because i've got so many unanswered questions because i would love to know like who painted the mats for this because the matte paintings in this are great you know the the blinken memorial ones and stuff i love that i mean a lot of those matte paintings get used again in the tv show too a lot of the special effect shots in the mats get used again in the tv show i would imagine so and i mean the the model work 
is really good. It's it's very obvious, I think, that it is model work. That's that's one aspect where it fails is that the models really, really look like models, but they're still awesome models. You know, they still really look you know, the the city is very cool. Well, I'll put it this way. If you did a George Lucas special edition on this and you put and you computer generated people yeah. walking around in the sidewalks and stuff because you found out there are people spilling out all over but whenever you see a shot following the car through a tube all the way through the city there's people walking you, right there's, yeah. there's nobody on the streets because it's a model you no know, no could, there was there was a there was a shot that i actually i rewound to watch it to see if i could tell where the where the split was you know and i couldn't see it it was it was seamless and I'm trying to remember where it was from, in the movie, but one of those tracking shots of the of the no, city. Was, no, it wasn't. No, a there was a scene where they were outside. They were outside, and you see the tube cars going by, and everything around them is a model. But there's people actually walking on the walkway, and they're live people. And it had to be a composite shot, oh, but yeah, I couldn't yeah. see the seams or the black lines or anything. It was a great yeah. shot. The the one the oh the special effects were really really good in this, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm talking about the specific shots where whenever it was... There's one at the very beginning where it's just the model of the city. Oh, panning across the city. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The moving camera. The streets are empty in it. And and nowadays you could CGI people walking around and, you know, things happening. Someone flying a kite maybe or something. And all you would have to do is add that element. And I think it would automatically make that, that look... 10 times less canned, you know. Right. Maybe doctor up the water a little bit so it looks like it has... Yeah, I was just going to say the water was another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah water, the, the water looks aspect. like it's in a Dixie cup, you yeah. know. You, yeah. You, you just can't... You, you just can't simulate the right waves in... Uh, yeah, the water, you can't scale the water up or down. But <laughs> see, this that aspect, you know... The, the the best way to put this is, is that this is what the future looks like to me. You know, that's why I'm such a sucker for. You know, I well, it wait. has both. It uh-huh. has it has everything you want. It has the beautiful. It has utopian and dystopian on top of each other. Right. Because it's it's got the utopian and the utopian is utopian. There's. Really, nothing wrong with their system except for that you have to die when you're 30. You know, they have to lie to you to get you to die when you're 30. Other than that, it's working perfectly and it's not really harming anything. Right. But (laughs) right outside of it, you've got the crumbled masses. And here's another weird thing, though. If, if, If it's like they sort of hint that it was a nuclear war, the stuff isn't blown apart. It's just crumbled through right. time you know i mean that it has like three you, actually they're doing pretty good for 300 years of you know disregard or whatever but yeah i don't know well the the thing in the beginning does say war but it doesn't necessarily say like nuclear war or whatever right. i think this is actually closer to a scenario like uh like Soylent Green or, or something like that, where it was... Well, the, according to the... Here's what the opener says. It says, Sometime in the 23rd century, the survivors of war, over overpopulation, and pollution are living in a great uh, uh, dome city, blah, 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 sealed away and all that. So... Well, I, yeah, in the it 70s it was that... that yeah. That, yeah you're, so I don't see it so much as like a Planet of the Apes scenario where this is the post-apocalyptic world as far as like we nuked ourselves... This is the post-apocalyptic world where, 
Everybody you know, just we, starved off. Yeah, we realized that, you know, we we have to start controlling the population. And again, you know, that brings me back to my question of, you know, how did how did we get to the, you know, because... Yeah, by how the, did you have those domes joined, without looters attacking it and well, stuff? Well, no, like not that. just that, but I mean, by the time we join the story, everybody that lives in the city... They don't know any better, for lack of a better way to put right. it. You know, they for the, the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky. Right, exactly. But you know, there had to be a beginning generation that right. knew. You know, so how do you get from starting up a city where everybody's got to die at thirty to the point where nobody remembers setting up this society? You know, how long is it? You could do it in a generation or two, I think. You could do it in a generation if everybody in that city was on the same page and said, we have to buckle down right. and do this. And, that's the, and that's we the have way to teach our kids right off the bat that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's the only way it could work is, you know, like you say, everybody's got to be on the same page. But man, you know, I mean, that's pretty... That's pretty intense knowing that, you know, you're you're, you know, having these kids and you're raising these kids up to kill them off at 30 years old. You know, that's well, pretty intense. Well, the, the, because at that point you're looking at you're looking at the big picture. You're looking at the long term. You're saying, well, right. if if we let them if if we let them age as, as far as they do and and we have this food, pr- you know, we're going to start, you know, the population's going to start to grow. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to figure out the the equation to keep a uh, completely zero population growth up. So you know that's what, and and that's like the hard core. I mean, I think it's a lot. It would be a lot easier to make those hard core cold decisions and follow through on them when it when the you know future of the human race truly depends on it. You know, right. yeah. There there's all sorts of things. That you can that people can get other people wound up about by saying we have to do this. The future of humanity depends on. Oh, it. absolutely. But it's all a matter of opinion right now. But if in the say in the case of a catastrophe where eighty percent of the population's wiped out, you know that the twenty percent that's left, you know, that are going to be thinking about trying to like, you know are going to have to say, what can we do that would practically work and make a strong decision to do it, you know? Because otherwise, it's like, yeah, we could let people live longer, but in three generations, we'll just be done. and We'll just be, you know, prolonging our agony instead of potentially... That's why I'm I'm not starting to think that the self-destruct... My self-destruct theory might even be... I'm starting to gain confidence in my theory now as this show goes on. What is this theory? Uh, my theory that I posited at the beginning of the show that oh, okay. the computer might be like, well, now humanity's ready to... And wasn't the ending of this like the dirty old man's like wet dream? <laughs> it's like you're standing around poking at a fire thinking, you know, one day ago you thought you were the only old guy left in the world. And all of a sudden there's all these like horned... And, face it all the people in this world are like you know young and and horny and beautiful and half naked and they're just like they come what you know boom boom there's this explosion and all of a sudden 
here come all these like teenagers in tunics and they want to touch your face. <laughs> Must have been just like, oh, I'll leave night. it to you to, to take one of the sweetest characters and, and turn him into a. He's an awesome character. Old, he is a great character. He really is. I used to come fishing here, you know, but uh, somehow all the fish died a oh, long time ago now. Nothing sad in a dead fish. Oh, uh, young people, you say. Oh, uh, I don't even remember what. Although, of course, the young people, yeah. He uh, um, he's another thing that, that he's another uh, thing I didn't like when I first movie. saw it. Oh when really? It, yeah, when I first saw it, I was just Aww, like, "How can you not like old man? He's he's just I, a sweet that old I didn't guy." Like him. I wanted him to be more. Um, I wanted him to be more of an intelligent character, and now I really like his half. You know, he's half out of it, and he's like. He's like to him. He's he might as well be in a dream. He's a little senile. See, that's but what he's I, that's still what with I it a little bit, but he's with it enough to hold it to get. You know, he gives a cogent answer to every question. He might have to think a little bit. He has to think every time for the word father. That's really right, yeah, cracks like me that. up. What makes you think that? Well, my parents tell me, my mother, and my you know, the, um. Father. And I mean, just the, the 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 acting is just amazing. I mean, that's just, one of the things I like is here is the last representative of the old world, you know, and he's going to be looked at, you know, as a very important person, a very important figure, yeah. I, I would expect anyway, after the fall of this society and everybody comes out to meet him. And this person who's in this role is kind of a doddering senile old person. That's probably not going to be around very long and, and really doesn't have all the answers. It doesn't really have any answers. I mean, he only knows what's been passed down to him from his mother and father. And, and it's oh, clear he's, that a he's lot ready, of information he's, he's has been ready to die. Yeah, he exactly. Jessica promised to bury him, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I love that, that, you know, Logan and Jessica ask him answers and he very clearly said, you know, I don't know. I don't. And, and to him, it's like, that's not important. I've never even really thought about that. But, you know, and I, that's just something about his personality and the, and the way he responds to them. I, I love it. You know, that and, and they're trying to glean. T.S. Eliot cats. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. But, you know, they're trying to glean information from him and, and he just, he doesn't have it, you know? So, I, I don't know. There's something about that dynamic I, I really like. You know that he he's the last survivor of of the old world, but you know doesn't really bring that much from it, other than the fact that he's you know he's an old man. You see, as a kid, I would have wanted the more stereotyped, like ah, you know, he comes in and Ben Kenobi's. He he get he he has some uh, you know dialogue where he tell where he fills in the story and. You know, that's what you're sort of expecting, even yeah. though they haven't that's, found sanctuary. An old man who goes, well, after the bombs flew or, you know, after the Ebola took over or after the aliens ate all our brains. And, and you know, because and, especially when I was a kid, I wanted stuff like that tied all. Uh, I wanted a more set. I wanted them to find. I wanted it to end with them like finding a door and like beep 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 and welcome to sanctuary you know that's right. how when you're, when you're like nine years old that's how you want it to sort of play out but so what i wasn't and now it's more you know way more the ending of the 
this is way more satisfying. Although it's funny because the ending of this is completely different than the ending from the source material. Right. Which was pretty much the same until about maybe a third of the way into the book or something like that, or halfway through the book, and then it changes tone and, and you know, it is still a chase. You know, that's the only thing it sort of holds in common is the basic scenario and the fact that it's a chase. But, you know, at the end of um, the book, they're getting in a spaceship to fly to another planet to start humanity on another planet. See, I don't even remember that. I, at, I at read the book, the book at, once. At the book, they were gathering runners because the runners were the people who had enough, like, think-for-themselfedness and uh-huh. gumption to get away and break out of the brain set, and they were just collecting them till they had enough to fill up a spaceship to fl- and there was a sequel called Logan's World that mm-hmm. was set on that and this one had you know like I remember there was like a bike gang in it that flew they were sort of like Sergi X from the Star Wars comics <laughs> you know, bike gang on hover bike things that chase and you know Logan steals a hum- hover bike and there's a whole chase and and on those sort of predating you know the 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 Marvel Star Wars and Jedi really but it was it was a, just a pulpy sci-fi actioner, you know, and I think the the movie played up the social aspects of it a lot more, and you know, I think I think the movie is way more is way deeper and more accomplished than the book. It's oh, one absolutely, of rare, absolutely. It's, it's and it's weird. It's it's sort of like that that um, the Philip K. Dick. Uh, do androids dream of electric oh, it's so funny you say that because I had the same thought today yeah that was one of the notes I had actually that uh, for the source material apples and oranges yeah, source completely material different. Yeah. but at the same point you know I think you know do androids dream of electric sheep was trying to be more simple and philosophical where the movie still had the you know it was a pretty you know nuanced movie but it was like an action you know, it was a bigger scale um, special effects movie, whereas the book is a sort of small scale story. Where right. and uh, if they had filmed the book of Logan's Run to the book, it would have been really expensive and had a lot of special effects and been a lot fluffier than the movie ended up being. And uh, yeah, I so that's that's a that's a very very rare rare thing and it's funny because I think the movie and the comics run pretty close story wise but the book it's it's just must be such a strong story because there's like four incarnations of it you know within a small time period right which I guess you know sort of sets a precedent for like the new Star Trek movie and um, you know stuff like that the sort of remaking, reimagining of it because there's sort of yeah, different reimaginings of the Logan's Run story, and there's looks like they're trying to do another one. They've been for a while, it looks like, but there's been all this talk of a Logan's Run remake, and really, I'm surprised they haven't done it already. You know the way they remake movies. I gotta be honest with you, I'm, you know, I I, I don't have a lot of faith that it's actually going to happen anyway. But 
if they do, I'll, I'll be pretty upset because I just I don't have any faith that anybody you is going to be able to do much. it half as good as this movie. Because you, you, it's going to be a Michael Bay type of you know how it's going to be. It's going to be this big special effect thing. Maybe they'll do the book. Maybe they'll be like, we wanted to go to the source with yeah. Scene. I, I ultimately I don't I don't really give a rat's ass one way or the other because it, it's just going to be um, Dave the Earth stood still all over again. It's one of those things. Now I won't say I won't go so far as to say, like I said with uh, the Dave the Earth stood still, that that's a perfect movie. You know you don't need to remake it. I won't right. go so far as to say this is a perfect movie because clearly there are a lot of elements in it that are dated. There are some elements that, as much as I love the movie, that I do kind of cringe at. That I'm like, "Wow, that really needs you know to be different or not so cheesy or whatever." But still, taken as a whole, it's 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 just a great movie, and I don't want to see them come in and do the modern take. You know, the modern Hollywood. You know, we got to have, you know. Leonardo DiCaprio in it and yeah. we've got to have this and we've got to have that and you know we've got to have you know Nickelback do the the song and you know all that crap I don't want any of that bullshit you know I like this movie just the way it is it looks the way you're not going to find a hotter Jessica either what? oh yeah I mean yeah she was uh... you know I thought about something today I remember there being a discussion a while back about you know. I didn't think she. I thought she was ugly when I was a kid. Can you believe it? I thought, <laughs> and in my head, I thought Jessica. I've always thought Jessica was played by Julie Christie. Oh, I always thought she was Julie Christie. The same Christie. girl that was in. Uh, she was the love interest in American Werewolf in London. Yes, I know, and 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 I just figured that out last night when I was reading <laughs> when I was looking at the cover of this DVD, and I'm like, that's not Julie Christie. It's. It's, oh my god and she was she was naked in that too yeah and oh she was the naughtiness you know there Naughty, was a discussion a while back about you know besides like say princess leia you know who are some other like strong female you know role models or whatever for science fiction and granted you know jessica gets naked and you know we see her ass constantly through the movie still that doesn't make you less that, strong that's you know, what that doesn't make her less strong. I guess it's it's definitely sexist because mm-hmm. yeah, they were flashing her junk for for yeah for money. But that's also part of that but culture. She's still very, you know, she's a very strong character. You know, she's she's definitely strong willed. She holds her own against Logan. You know, because when they first meet, you know, he's all about well, let's go have sex. And, you know, and she keeps him at bay through a good portion of the movie. You know. I think that's one of the reasons. No, she's the big. She's the big turning point in him deciding to run. Even more so, I think, than the computer making his hand blink. Right. I think you know. I think once he met her and started talking to her, it was all over. You know. Right. He was going whatever direction she was going in. You know. I think that's I mean, one of the reasons why the water scene, you know, when they discover water and they, they go swimming and all that, I think that's one of the reasons I've always liked that scene so much because that that's the delineating part of the movie, you know, that marks the line between where they're just companions and now they're truly in love with each other. You know, they're they're truly, you know, devoted to each other. Oh, well, yeah, they discover their um, 
their crystals are clear too. Yeah, I love that. But I, I, I thought it was funny though. I don't know how excited I'd be about water because they just were almost drowned just a few minutes ago. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, water, woo, let's go swimming. I don't know if I'd want to go swimming for a while after <laughs> that, that last little incident that they had before that. But, um, and also, Jessica's like, uh, she's uh, some sort of underground figure, you know? She's in the. You know, she's pl- she's planning on running, and she knows, you know, she knows the underground. You know, she's she You're was right, yeah. open to get killed at, at one point. To, yeah, to to uh, trap from her her rebel bre- brethren. So, like Princess Leia, she's a rebel leader. You right? Know? Yeah. What are uh, what are some of your favorite uh, parts of the movies? Favorite elements or scenes or whatever. Well, Carousel is like one of my favorite things. Um, box. <laughs> yeah. That whole, that, I don't know. Through, through the, even before box sound and even, and despite, yes, I know that is also where, um, Jessica gets naked. But that whole scene where they go into the frozen part, the sound, the, the quality of the sound and the way it looks, they really communicated that it was freezing cold mm-hmm. really well. And that scene is always really creepy. And at the same time, it was super creepy because robots were like, you're a plastic pal who's fun to be with. At that right. point, you're watching movies. And here comes Box, who's got... He's he's sort of got the Burl Ives, you know, snowman <laughs> face from Rudolph the Red Hello, right. everybody. <laughs> you're oh, right. Oh. Merry Christmas! And he's, he is—he's doing the same sort of thing. He's plowing around. He's sort of like a, a silver. He's like a um, stainless steel version of Burl Ives and Christopher Pike, with a really sunny attitude. <laughs> now that dude, I looked him up because I, you know, I've for a long time now. One of the the bits of trivia I've known about this is that. Uh, the guy that voices Box. I don't know if he's actually in the outfit, but he voices him. It's Roscoe Lee Brown. Um, He's the narrator on that story of Star Wars record that you and I have owned since we were kids. You know, know, when when Star Wars Monthly Monday starts and you hear the guy say, a long time ago, and he's got the funny kind of accent, It's that's the guy. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. Oh yeah, it's the same guy. And if you ever see a picture of him, I think there's a picture of him. If you if you look him up on like uh, Wikipedia or something, if you ever see his picture, you'll instantly recognize him. He's been in a million TV shows. I off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you like a, a, a character that he played that you would recognize. But if you see his picture, you'll, you'll know exactly who he is. Done a I'm lot trying, of voice work. I'm trying to think. He was in. He was in a. a show like running weekly and I can't remember what show it was. It's in like Benson or some shit like that at one point. This was like a cop. I, I want to say he was one of the supporting characters in the in the Heat of the Night TV show maybe. Could be. Could point. be. Yeah. But um, yeah he was in uh, all over the place. And I, re- I when Box started saying his lines it just I was like why are those so familiar and it was because of you you always used to do the you know 
and sea sea greens, you know, <laughs> and proteins from the sea. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> all the time. Fresh yep. as harvest day. Yeah, I, I love Box. <laughs> he was he was great. And it's funny watching it now because he really he's just a big old cheesy, you know, Robbie the Robot style. And I mean, he's he's like a cheesier Ro- Robbie the Robot. And you know, his arms look like dryer dryer vent. vents. <laughs> yeah, dryer vent tubes, you know, but he's still great. Yeah, he, pretty he, sure he you represents can see zero threat. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure you can see a human mouth behind that mask at least one time when he's talking too. But he's still great. I still love him. But, uh, well, that was one thing I had a note uh, to talk about was uh, some of the other uh, actors in the movie. Um, you know, Richard Jordan has always been one of my favorite actors. And I got to thinking about it and I was like, really? I got to be honest, he's, he's a favorite actor only really for this movie because the in only other center? thing I can think of that he did was uh, he was Dirk Pitt, you know, the hero from those. Oh, God, what was what's the name of that? He wrote Raise the Titanic, and then he writes all those books about, you know, like... Like John Fowles or something like that. Oh, my God, I can't think... I I can't believe I forgot the guy's name, but... You know, he writes all the... He still is very prolific today. And he's written all those books about, you know, like, mysteries of the sea and, you know, raising ships and finding lost ships and airplanes and... Damn it. Cussler. Clive Cussler. That's it. Clive Cussler. Yeah, and and they they made a movie of his his novel uh, "Raise the Titanic" back in right. I think it was like 1980 or something, and the hero of all of his books, you know, he's kind of like the, you know, who is the character in in all those uh, Hunt for Red October yeah. books? There, you know, there's the one guy, Jack, whatever his name is, that, that Jack g- Russell. No, that's a terrier. <laughs> well, wh- anyway, whatever that Jack Slater, Jack Spratt. <laughs> The you know Dirk Pitt is like the is like the equivalent of that character in the Custler books, and Richard Jordan that plays uh, Francis Seven in this was Dirk Pitt in uh, in Raise the Titanic, and that's that's another one of those movies that gets a bad rap that I think is not near as bad as people make it out to be. I actually kind of liked Raise the Titanic. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's not as good as the book, obviously, and once they really did discover the Titanic and everything, it, it became, it became like horribly cheesy. dated, but yeah. it, I still get a kick out of it. You know, he's good in the movie. If nothing if nothing else, he's really good. The girl he's scamming on in the movie, she's just a babe. It's got Jason Robards in it, and it's like, come on. You know, no movie with Jason Robards is truly beyond redemption because he's just a great actor. I agree. And then the score is by... Um, crap. I can't think of this. Did the black hole there. Um, man, my brain is just not firing tonight. Anyway, it's a great score. I can't think of what his name is. I like the score of Logan's Run. Yeah, I was just going to say, speaking of... You know what? I was reading something about this today. It was probably just a wiki entry or something. I was just kind of gathering notes or what. But somewhere I read something, and it never consciously occurred to me before, but it's so true. Goldsmith actually wrote two scores for this movie because everything in the city has one sound. It's all the electronic-y type of stuff. As a matter of fact, what I would compare it to and forgive me for all the Disney references this episode, but what it really reminds me is like being in the queue for Space Mountain is what the the city stuff sounds like in this movie. 
But then when you get outside, all the outside stuff is full orchestra. Yeah, it's that sweeping goldsmith stuff. And it's oh my, it's awesome. Well, actually, though, the, the the first scene of the the dome cities coming in on the dome cities is like sweeping. It, yeah. it's like it's like that sweeping soundtrack music. But then it, it goes as we go inside, it goes into the dome and goes into the electronic you're stuff. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I never caught that before. But you're yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's that's really cool. And. Uh, I was, I was, as a matter of fact, when I was driving around doing errands and stuff today and going to meet Shag and everything, I was listening to the soundtrack in the car and was like, how in the hell did this not make my list of favorite scores when we were doing, you know, the show that we did way back when about favorite scores? And it's because there's a couple of those like really electronic-y tracks, like the Love Shop part and like the Carousel part. They're just not easy listening. You know what I mean? They're not something you can just throw on and, and listen to in the back. They're, they're kind of, I hate to say annoying, but they're kind of annoying. They're kind of like grating because of yeah, that like, really electronic-y stuff. It's electronic and discordant. I like that stuff, though. I can throw that stuff on in the, in the background <laughs> and listen to it. Like Forbidden Planet, I can listen to that soundtrack, and that's like fingers across the chalkboard right. for a lot of people. See, I like the orchestrated stuff so much better, but that, you know, that said, I still do like, you know, I like both aspects, but this this is definitely one of those uh, Goldsmith soundtracks that I, I don't hear get near enough love because it's, you know, the electronic-y stuff is way ahead of its time, you know, completely original and all that, but then the sweeping stuff is just beautiful you know the again the the scene in the water you know the scene where they go swimming you know they discover water and they go swimming and they fall in love and all that i mean just one of goldsmith's best orchestrated pieces ever it's it's just beautiful beautiful music and then you know the scene that i like to refer to as the best star trek fight that's not in star trek amen brother i was thinking the same thing Amen. Because not only is that knockdown drag out fight between Logan and Francis, like right out of like a mock time, uh, but every time I watch that scene, the music that plays uh-huh. in the background is just like watching uh-huh. and going dun 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 dun. But it's like that, but you know, it's got its own unique, you know, it's got Logan's run music to it. But, but it's, it is, it's but the it's same still. thing. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that. It's well, what's funny is. As soon as I saw that, 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 that at the end of it, this ends very Star Trek-y. It ends with a Star Trek fight, mm-hmm. which also pissed me off because I'm a cat fan. And there's that one scene where, <laughs> where I can't remember if it's Logan or Francis gets body thrown and almost take that cat had to leap for its life and oh, sort I of missed got that part. the air. It's, it's right at the it's the first cat that gets sort of dislodged in the fight. You. If you watch it back, it's right at the beginning of the fight. And I was just like, holy shit, poor cat. Well, something I noticed tonight was uh, the first time you see Old Man. And he's using the uh, the gavel of, what is that? It's the House of Representatives or something, right? right? He's using it to crack walnuts. Uh-huh. And that black cat's tail is like, it's like those movies, you know, the cartoons where like the... 
like the construction worker has his right. head down and the other guy swings the mallet just you know and just misses him you know and they yep. keep doing that it was the same thing he he's cracking walnuts and every time that cat's tail swishes he's just missing it and that was <laughs> funny and that cat looks just like my wife's cat you know the all black and all that uh-huh. that's really funny because the last time we watched it together as a family, I remember uh, somebody remarking that, "Hey, that looks like Toby." <laughs> there was, um, yeah, there was a Star Trek fight, and then the computer gets blown up by, you know, <laughs> gets plugged into the protagonist. You You're know? right. It's a total Star Trek end. Yep. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, I mean, even you know the part where. Uh, where Kirk comes in on the shuttlecraft in the very beginning of Star Trek the motion picture. Yeah. The, the dress of the people reminds uh-huh. a lot of... It, it could be, uh, not cathedral, but uh, arcade. You know, the way everybody's dressed in, like, robes and stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, that's well, I why think I love during that time period people. of America, during this that late yeah. 70s period, we figured the future was going to look like a giant mall. Yeah, and that I'm such a sucker for that. I'm telling you, man, I can't wait till you get here and we go do Disney. And because I'm telling you, I'm going to take you to Epcot and I'm going to take you to like uh, the Contemporary Resort. Uh huh. Both of those give me such a Logan's Run vibe because they were they were just built in that era where that's what we thought the future was going to look like. It's still what I want the future to look like. Anytime I'm in like a 70s mall, I'm totally in my element because I feel like I'm in that world of Logan's Run. You know, it's just that's what I want shit to look like. You know, it's awesome. There's just something about that architectural style Uh that just speaks to me. You know, I I love it. It still looks like the future to me. I I was looking at some elements of, of this movie today watching it. And I was like, damn, that looks like the mall right here in Oviedo. <laughs> you know, there's like, especially, you know, there's, uh, you know, some of the, like the concrete pillars. And then you've got like the little scrubby plants sitting around and the little eatery areas look like your mall uh, food court and stuff. <laughs> That's because it was. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, I love it. You know, I love it's just there's something about that look. And when I see places that look like that. And they get torn down or they get remodeled because people are bitching. Oh, it looks 70s. You know, it, that's become like this dirty word. Oh, it looks 70s. I- well, we had a super mall like that in Rochester that sort of went to hell. Yeah. And now a lot of people wish that it was back. Yeah. I used to come here to visit my cousins when I was a little kid. We'd go to that mall. And it was. It was like being in Logan's Run. It was Are you found- talking about the Arondacoy sculptures? Mall? It was, and no, this was... This was... Um, Oh, I I don't know which mall it is now, but it was two malls. Now it's it was broken up into two malls, and each one was expanded a little bit. And all the '70s art was sort of taken out, and the fountains dismantled. And it's now your very standard, just sort of modular mall. I remember Ken 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 used to look a lot like like Logan, yeah. like Logan Logan's Run style, uh-huh. you know, mall. Now it looks very normal you know (laughs) back then that was i remember going out to colorado to visit my cousins and there was one mall outside of denver which i guess was known as the world's biggest mall at the time right it was like you know five stories you know taught you know five levels and my you know my sister and i thought we died and gone to heaven we're in some sort of wonderland you know it was insane you know and 
that was around the time when Logan's Run was coming out. That's when the time when people were like, look, malls, look at these things we're designing. <laughs> that fountain that at the end of Logan's Run reminds me of a lot of fountains I saw on the West Coast, like in Seattle when we were kids and we went out to Seattle. See, that's another thing why why I wish that there had been a really good documentary or something on that disc, because I would love to know where some of these locales are. Because um, I know, like, like the the city, you know, like the mall-type scenes are actually at some mall that's in, what is it, like Dallas or somewhere. Yes. But like that thing you're talking about, like the, the steps, you know, the, the fountain or whatever the hell that's supposed to be outside. Is that what you're talking about? The, the, well, I was dive doing in? image searches for, for Logan's Run last night to, uh-huh. you know, to do a picture for this. Uh-huh. And I saw quite a few pictures of that fountain. Now, I don't know if they're, like, right up to date. I don't know if that fountain still exists. But they're pictures of people like, look, we're at the fountain from Logan's Run. Where know? is it? Did, it? did it say where it is? No, I just saw it in passing, you know. Oh, I see. Pages of pictures, and I'd see it, huh. and, like, you know, when you roll your mouse over it, it would pop up a little bit. Oh, yeah, I gotcha. But, um... Yeah, I'd love to know where that is. It, um, probably wouldn't be that, it probably wouldn't be that hard to find if it still exists. Find out where it is, you well, know. Well, something else I'd like to know, you know, one way or the other for sure is... Um, every time I see the scene as they're approaching the city and they're walking along the beach you know the right. they give you the perspective both ways they get you the, give you the perspective of the group walking towards us the viewer and then they give us the perspective of being behind the group and looking t- down the beach toward the city both of those perspectives look exactly like the approach and then the look from behind shots at the very end of Planet of the Apes before the big reveal. I would not be surprised if that is the same exact stretch of beach, but I couldn't find any information on whether it really is or not. But I think that'd be very cool if it was. I'm on a page right now, Logan's Run location page. Ah, Locations page. Um, West Atrium Dallas Apparel Mall. Yeah. Not open to general public. Frowny face. Um, well, that's that's where Arcade was filmed. Great yes. Hall is in yeah. the Dallas Apparel Mall. Still uh, rooftop RCA building. Stern <laughs> Health Center. Then the Arlington Health Center. And now they're... Uh, that's what they are now. Right. They were a health spa then. That was the gym. The Sandman gym. And like... Um, the Dallas First National Building Bank Building was the Sandman Headquarters Lobby. That's cool. There's a Hall of Nations and the World Trade Center was used. Huh. I'll send I'll, I'll send you a link and I'll put a link to this up. It has uh it has where they exist. It has um webcams. That's cool. <laughs> to all these places too, so you could so yeah, it sounds like that mall is uh, kaput. Which that's, that's a shame. A lot, you know. I mean, I think most malls from that time period sort of saw that. Yeah, the Irondequoit Mall when you used to work here, there when you were here in Rochester twenty years ago, that was brand new. Right. And that's that's done. <laughs> yeah. Done. People are, keep trying and trying to re invigorate it and well the, yeah i think that story is being told across america to be honest i know that our our local mall here um where i just moved to is 
It's beautiful. I mean, it's it's beautiful in that you know. I would say I would guess. I don't know for sure, but I would guess that this is a probably late seventies, early eighties mall. I'm guessing uh-huh. it it just has that look, you know. But it's gorgeous, but it's just sad, you know. It, you go through it, and and you know, far like more places are shuttered than are open. Yeah. You know, I would say probably the ratio is probably two to one shuttered versus open, and then the ones that are open. There's never any customers. You know, the the people that work there look incredibly bored and lonely. Yeah. And it's just, you know, they're hanging on by a thread. It's it's that's, really pretty sad. That's how the Irondequoit Mall is, except it's beyond that. It's to the point of where maybe like a tenth of it is occupied, and it's all occupied by people that are there out of desperation. Like right. they had some little shop somewhere in the mall approach them and said, Hey, look, we could get you a shop in the Irondequoit mall. You know, we'll cut you this insane deal. And they said, yeah, we'll move up to the mall. And th- now they're in there and like, you, I don't even know if there's any of the food court is open anymore. So it's like, you know, even if you did, you'd have to walk all the way across this empty building to go to the, right. I, I think where the food court is, the only thing that's open is like a little convenience store. So yeah, it's and that's and that mall, you know, malls with those big huge sweeping ceilings and all that modern shiny work when they're half empty, it's like one of the just most pathetic creepy, yeah. creepy things you'll ever see. It like yeah. just it it makes you feel bad for like oh, this was some place that somebody that a lot of money and effort got put into and was once yeah. full of people and now it's empty and that's sort of sad but there's also a creepiness to it that just comes with it being a mall which <laughs> malls are kind of creepy too at the you know it's like Walmart you know where it's incredibly convenient but at the same time it also makes you question humanity <laughs> and, and malls were like that too they there there was something really cool about them but there was something also you know, like, I don't want to say dehumanizing. Yeah, they're pretty dehumanizing in a way, you know, away from, like, the mom-and-pop store. Yeah. And, you know, this sort of uniculture and stuff and and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a really weird mixed feelings when you come into an empty mall. And I, I just can had a only funny imagine thought. walking into the Logan's Run Mall <laughs> and <Yeah>. being abandoned. <laughs> How creepy. Now the Logan's Run Mall from being the shiny modern thing is more like, you know, the outside world. Yeah. Hogan's run. It's now. Oh, it's man, that's w- Yeah, that is a weird thought, isn't it? And you're decay. right. It's funny. I just thought of something is that that mall I was just telling you about the, the local mall here. It's funny because it looks just like what you're describing on the inside. But then on the outside, it actually looks more like the stuff we saw outside the dome in Logan's run because the parking lot is almost always empty at like the the supposed anchor stores, you know, like Sears and such. There's never anybody uh-huh. in the parking lot. So you approach it from quite a distance away and as you get closer you realize it's got those creeping vines like everywhere on this mall. Uh-huh. So it looks like the memorials and the buildings we saw. Dawn of the Dead or yeah, something. It's, yeah. yeah, it's really freaky. So yeah. You you've got both both elements of Logan's run right there in one mall. It's pretty cool. Now, I've, I learned something today. Actually, a couple of things today I thought were interesting is I've always meant to look up the director of this movie to see what other stuff he had done. And I, I, could, I couldn't even remember the director's name. For, some, you know, no, for one of these movies either. that was one of my favorites, I was surprised by how little 
of the like behind the scenes stuff I really knew about it. Well, it turns out the director is um, Michael Anderson, and the only thing of note, you know, for for me personally, I thought was interesting to note was that uh, he directed that '50s movies uh, movie called The Dam Busters, and that's the one where people claim that Lucas pretty much ripped off the entire trench sequence from Star Wars. Was from oh, that movie. I have I have seen, well, I've seen someone play that footage side by side and it's pretty clear that he maybe probably very much did (laughs) you know but there's i mean there's there's a lot of i mean you can see like what what was it in when was i can't remember what cable channel it was but they ended up it ended up on the dvd release it was a documentary on star wars and they showed a lot of the world war ii footage Uh the way lucas had edited it together as an example and then they showed it right along with the movie and he cut a lot of you know it sometimes it would be each shot would be from a different world war ii movie right but he literally took shots and taped them together of a ship of a plane going this way and a plane going this way and the timing of it and then recreated that you know with spaceships and who could play? That's how I would do it too. But it was really, it was really weird. You know, they showed his demo reel and then the movie, and it's like, wow, he really knew what he wanted. You know. <laughs> and also, this guy, the director Michael Anderson, his son Michael Anderson Jr. was Doc in this movie, the the young doctor that gets lasered up real good. That scene was really scary back in the day. It's really and like, cheesy now, though. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the scene where it first makes the line across his face with the yeah. laser. That when I remember, and they cut to Jessica flinching. I remember when I first saw it, it was a flincher, too. It was just like, ow, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I thought they did it. I thought it was one of those effects where, say, they already had the wound on his face, and they would put a piece of flesh-colored tape over it and then rip it off with a you know, like piece of invisible wire. Right. But, you know, when you watch it, it's really just sort of an overlaid <laughs> animated line, you know? Yeah. And it looks really cheesy, but back then, it looked really a lot more convincing. Yeah. And it, and it's it was just a lot more scary. It's so silly when you see it now. It's like, wait, so how is this dangerous? Because it's just cutting the surface of his skin. It should be like he should be laying on that thing going, ow, Wow, you know, you're getting a ba- basically a bunch of scratches all over your yourself. You know, the way he had it set and the way he was explaining it, and I couldn't figure out. I guess it was the the rebels who were like called up the dock and said, "Hey, doc, you know, kill this guy, take him out, yeah, take him out, or whatever." Another thing is that, and that, and that's where we're introduced to Farrah Fawcett's. I was Fawcett's just going to say, yeah, we'll be remiss character. if we don't mes- mention Farrah Fawcett, but I'm it's, just going to say, yep, Farrah Fawcett's in it, and leave it at that. Cause. Why? Yeah, I mean, why did the? I mean, her character is so insanely, ridiculously dumb. Yeah, she's the. Dumb it reminds mom, me of an upcoming Star Trek episode we're going to do with Miri, where you know, <laughs> where it's like little kids, and Kirk has to explain, you know. And at the end where she's just like, he killed the doc, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, Jessica has to go, but remember that he was being chased by another. <laughs> That's leading the yes. witness, by the way. Yeah, yes, but yeah, yeah. And then she goes, yeah, yeah, that's right, which was right. But at the same time seems very disingenuous. 
but it's still enough for those guys to all drop their guns and go, okay, yeah, good, <laughs> good enough for yeah, I know that yeah, that part was uh, watching that again. I was like, yeah, that doesn't. Well, I mean, you know, I, I chalk. I put all that at the feet of Farrah Fawcett and her uh, "quote unquote" acting skills. Anyway, right. you know. Well, what's so funny is all her lines. It's it's funny is when I heard them, it, they were very familiar to me, and I realized when that was on TV, when that was on network TV on CBS, because I know it was on CBS because I got CBS. <laughs> I was able to tune CBS in. That that was the you know, they the teaser. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was all, all the shots of her talking, and they're like in Farrah, you know, Logan's Run with Michael York and Farrah Fawcett Majors, you know, and it was like, ooh, Farrah Fawcett's gonna be in it, you know. And they did the same thing with um, Orca, <laughs> Dino De Laurentiis's Orca. Oh, is, with Bo Derek. Is, with yeah. Bo Derek, you know, yeah. they're starring Bo Derek, and really she's in it for two seconds, just long enough to get her leg bit off by the shark. You know, <laughs> in a cheesy manner. Well, you talk about seventies damage. That that's the kind of stuff I think of as seventies damage, where you you've got the, uh, you know, the the obligatory you know hot name of the of the period that you know twenty years later, or in this case, what are we looking at? Thirty, almost forty years later, you look at it and go, okay, that you know. That just dated this movie horribly. Yeah, you know, that that Farrah Fawcett was the name that they were using to try to draw you know guys to the theater or whatever to see this. That's that's pretty sad, really. Well, you didn't really talk uh, any about uh, the star of the movie yet, Michael York. Now, you know, I know he's, he's been, been in a zillion, billion things, billion movies, and I love him in this movie. I mean, to the point where you know I named my second child Logan. You know, right. Because specifically because of this movie and and that character, but beyond Logan's Run, I mean, I can't really think of anything where I really latched onto him all that much. Um, beyond, well, he was in the three. He was in the Three Musketeers and the Four Musketeers. Right. Um, yeah, I liked those movies, but I mean, they, they don't okay. stand out in my memory. The, the well, only thing, the thing I is, uh huh. I as far as he was an actor, I liked him in Logan's Run, but he's just. I don't know. He's one of those actors with one of those weird faces. Oh, he's yeah. like the kid who is in Escape from Witch Mountain. The 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 boy, the male lead from Escape to Witch Mountain. Oh yeah. They had a weird yeah. sort of almost like maybe their face was a little inbred. Maybe like their eyes were a little too close together. <laughs> you know, well, not to be rude or anything. Michael York interview. But something about Michael York was a little bit weird, you know. Maybe there was a little fetal alcohol syndrome or something. Oh, I don't. On, I actually <laughs> wanted to try to woo him onto the show at some point, and that's never going to happen now. What do you think he'll listen to this? He won't. He won't do his homework. He'll just say yes or no and come on. He won't be like, I better listen to their old, all their other. He'll podcasts. come on and go. So I'm an inbred, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say. No, you just, I just said you looked like an inbred. I didn't say, I said you were a good actor. I didn't say you were inbred. I just said you resemble someone who Ike was Eisenman. That's it. Physically. I was just going to look it up and it came to my mind. Is that who you're talking you about? So Ike touchy, Eisenman? Man. What? Get over. They got to get over the, that looking inbred thing, man. <laughs> just tell him to get, get, you get over yourself, Michael York. What have you been in lately? Huh? Nothing, fetal alcohol boy. Did you That's ever watch any of uh, Superman the Animated Series? 
No, I never have. No, I don't think I ever have. Oh, it was great. He he was in one of my favorite episodes. I can't remember the name of the episode, but he played Kanto, uh, one of the uh, Apocalyptians, and he comes to Earth and gives Intergang like all these Apocalyptian weapons to start using against Superman and stuff. It was that was a really good episode. He did some good voice. That's the thing is, the, the, I, maybe that's another thing that's a little weird about him to me. Is he well? He's got that awesome dulcet tone voice, you know, that deep, loud, clear voice with a weird little tinge of some sort of accent <laughs> to it. But he doesn't. He he does. He he's kind of like a, you know, I don't want to say shrimpy looking guy, but he's sort of like a short sort of you know. It do, that voice doesn't look like it's would come out of that person. So maybe oh, that's so? another. Uh-huh. That was maybe that was another thing that 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 was weird about him to me is he reminds me of like a darker Luke Skywalker almost right and I know? always expected the Luke Skywalker you know sort of like you want some fries with that voice coming from <laughs> like you know what Picard now that I think fish, about it like ah hello number one type voice you know that he that he actually has I cannot believe I've never thought of this before but you know what I wonder if one of the reasons I always had such a soft spot for Luke's outfit in Return of the Jedi is because it looks a hell of a like lot a Sandman like a Sandman outfit. outfit. You're right, it does. Oh my it sure god, does. I never thought of that before, but it nope. sure does. It's 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 so glaringly obvious, and neither of us picked that up till you just figured that out right now. Holy cow! Yeah, I always like that. As a matter of fact, I'm now all our that. fans can claim that they wearing that in my senior time. picture. I'm such a <laughs> Do you remember my senior picture? And I'm wearing I'm wearing the, I'm wearing the Luke Skywalker outfit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna have to find that sometime and put it up on the you know, forum or something. If I just had 129 dollars to burn, I saw an entire Han Solo outfit. Yeah, like the the the, the pants. The, the shirt, the vest, and the the um, gun belt, the sort of two part gun belt. It was really nice, just to just to. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Now all the people are listening to go. Oh yeah, I I always I always saw the Sandman Luke Skywalker connection all the all along. And, and yeah, the hell you did. What else do we got? What else do we got? According to Wiki, this was the first movie using Dolby Stereo. Really? I don't know if I buy that, but that's what that's what it says on oh. Wiki anyway. And uh, I was trying to remember. I thought for sure that this movie won an Oscar, but I could not remember what it was. Well, it was the uh, the obligatory uh, special, special achievement for visual effects, which, I yeah. mean, still, it's an Oscar. You know what I mean? Well, I'm what not, year did it come out? 76, right 76? before Star Wars. So it's pre-Star Wars. Yeah, I remember yeah, it was pre-Star Wars, but I didn't know if... I thought it might have been actually more like 74, 75. Because it, ma- it made it onto TV, but by the time it made it onto TV, I think it was like 79 or 78, 79. Well, the TV show started in 79. And I believe the TV show and the movie... We're sort of timed together, you know. Really, the TV show didn't start until seven. Wow, so three years later. Yeah. 
Now, I wonder if it's a if it's a Star Trekian kind of deal where you know the movie comes to TV and then finds a second life kind of thing. And well, I think you know. I think the movie sort of was. I remember when it came to TV, there were a lot of like you know kids that were jazzed about it they were excited about it because they didn't get to see it in the movies because it was a little before our time right to go see it in the movies you know and it was a little more mature than like star wars so there were good odds that we were going to get taken to see logan's run right so that was like our first opportunity to see it and i think it got it either got huge i i seem to recall that it was almost at the same time that the TV show and the movie came out. And I want to say that I saw the TV show before I saw the movie, but I could be completely wrong with that. I don't know how they aired it on CBS, but uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a bit of time after the movie, but you know, in those days, you know, it had simply disappeared, you know, it, it didn't have as life on video or anything or really much it didn't really even have much of a time to have a life on like say HBO or something like a lot of crappy movies did, you know, HBO didn't really show movies like a list movies like Logan's run either in the, all the time in the early days, they'd show those and they'd show all the like Z list ones 24 seven. So by the time it got to TV, I think it was still a novelty, you know, I think it was still, you know, it wasn't old news. And I think it was also riding on a little, in 1979, it was riding on that need, science fiction need that we were feeling, right? Jones between Star Wars and Jedi. You right. know, it was perfectly timed for us to, to watch Logan's run on TV and wait for Jedi or, or Jedi or Empire to come out mm-hmm. in, in 80. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, the TV show has a lot of the same feel as, say, the Planet of the Apes TV show had. Yeah, that's another one of them that, you know, well, I guess we should probably save that for the Planet of the Apes episode. But I, I'll just mention that, yeah, you know, as much as I, I love the apes the, stuff. We, uh, the 70s were the, the, the age of the bad. The 70s and the 80s were the age of the bad TV version of the movie. You know, where but I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. But then also I got to thinking that it, it goes beyond that. It's like I said at the very beginning of this one, that this this is one of those rare instances where I just don't have sequelitis. You know what I mean? I just I never needed more than what this movie gave me. And now that I think about it, and it's funny, I never really thought about this consciously before. But Planet of the Apes is kind of the same way. Now, I do love the third movie, almost as much as I love the original movie. So that one gets a pass. But, you know, when it comes to, like, all the other movies in, in the apes, yeah. what is Some... it, the Quint- Quintilogy or whatever it is, and then, like, the TV show, and then even largely, yeah. like, the comics. It's, it's all I muddled because knew, those yeah. TV shows have been edited in the movies, yeah. too. And, you know. But, you know, I just, I never really needed more than what what the movie gave me, you know? So I guess that's kind of odd because typically, you know, when I really love something like, you know, Star Trek or Star Wars or, you know, anything like that, I just, you know, give me more, give me more, you know, tell me the rest of the story, you know, tell me, you know, where these guys go. But I I think it's one of those things that even as a young kid, you know, even from my, my earliest 
fandom with Logan's Run, I just I think I consciously realized that they just they they didn't really have anywhere to go after the end of the movie. You know what what more could they really tell you that's going to live up to the movie? You know what I mean? It, it seems like it would all just kind of be downhill and very sequel esque. Well, it would be like. How you know? How do they form a society out of it? That's why the TV show went in a totally different. It retooled the whole story mm-hmm. to where you know Francis wasn't even going to kill him. He was going to capture. He was with two other Sandman, and their job was to capture Logan and Jessica and bring them back to the Elder Council of the Cities so that they could be reprogrammed. First shown as an example of why not to run, and then reprogrammed and put back into the general population so that whole aspect you know the whole you know they weren't running for their life anymore you know they're just running away <laughs> so it, it changed the whole concept of it in 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 all and you know i mean the the city the city is not blown up and so it's basically just them tra- it's basically sort of like a cheap version of Rod- of roddenberry's ide- original idea for star trek you know, we could, we run into a different weird post, you know, apocalyptic tribe, and they talk about radiation a lot in there, and there's, and there's fallout shelters and stuff. So See, that TV was actually a thought I had when they found the water was, um, you know, I, I, they radiation. wouldn't have thought to think about radiation, but that right. was one of the things I thought about was what if that water was irradiated or whatever. But I'm looking at a page right here. It for, couldn't have been too radioactive or the old guy would have been dead a long time that's ago. That's true, too. I'm looking at a page for the uh, the TV show, and it's giving credits here. And one of the credits is for an actor for Francis Seven. So how in the hell did they bring him back? He was dead and buried. Oh, the, the TV show is not a sequel to the movie. It's it, the first 15 minutes of the the um, TV show are sort of what takes place in the first hour of Logan's run. And then it's all, like, literally within at the nine-minute mark, it has that THX 1138 moment where they come out the door and the sun's shining, uh-huh. you know, and they head towards Washington. And from that, that point on, you know, like the first scene is is Logan and Francis going to Carousel, and Logan going. Oh, so, oh, what if we're not reincarnated? And Francis going, you shouldn't question any of that, Logan. And then he, Logan sees a runner, and the runner looks. It might be Kyle McLaughlin from Twin Peaks. You know that actor in Blue um, Velvet. He looks so. a lot like that. It's he's a sweaty runner. And, you know, the underground tell him, take your ankh and go to this door and you'll meet Jessica and she will tell you what to do. So he's running and they're chasing and Logan's chasing him and he he runs into Jessica and she's like, come on, we got to go through this door. Logan comes in, pulls a gun on both of them and says, freeze, runner, you know, and she goes, Logan, stop. And he goes, how do you know my name? And she goes, we've been watching you for a long time. We know you've been questioning blah, blah, blah. And. You know, and then Francis shows up, and Logan, and he's like, "Let's kill them both." And Logan's like, "No, wait! They're saying something about that. That they say sanctuary really exists." And Francis is like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And he blasts the guy, and then he goes to blast Jessica, and Logan knocks him out and runs off with Jessica. And that's the and that's the and then Francis actually gets that when he goes back, he gets beamed back into a separate part of the city where there's a council of old guys. 
who tell him, you know, we run the city, but we need people to replace us because we die when we get old. We want you to be one of those people, but if you want to prove to us that you can, you know, someday be one of the people to run the city, you got to go out and get Logan first. And that's the pre- and when they get to the Washington Monument, they stay overnight and they find this car, this like solar powered car that they steal and drive off, you know, just ahead of Francis. And, you know, basically they're always just two, it's the Hulk. They're two steps ahead of Mr. McGee, you know, all the time. And, um, it's surprising though, how many of the, like they, they go into a fallout shell. They're being chased by these sort of Mad Max horse riding people. And they get chased into a fallout shelter of the kindly people who live there, you know, and are terrorized by the Huns. So this uh, whole series takes place in the gutters of the movie? It takes place outside in the outside world, which looks all like where Kirk and uh, the Gorn fought. No, but I mean, it it takes place in in the gutters of the film, you know, the the, the things we didn't see in the film. That's where the series is taking place? Oh, it's completely different. No, it's like an alternate reality version of the the future. It It all plays out completely differently like like jessica is a um she recruits they've been waiting to recruit him yeah so it's it's, not really part of the movie is that what you're saying oh it's nothing it's it's a reworking completely of the movie it reworks it retools the movie plot into basically you know by the end by the time they've tossed out anything to do with the movie you know, Francis. Francis is the bat, propelling bad guy through the whole show. He's always hot on Logan's heels, you know. And Logan and Jessica basically drive around in their solar car from weird civilization to civilization and solve, you know, end up being the catalyst to solve a problem. All the while looking for someplace safe to go where they can escape from Francis. And Francis doesn't want to go back to the city without him because then he'll be, you know, he'll be disgraced. Eh. Yeah. I think I'm just as just as happy that I, I never really discovered the TV show. It doesn't sound like it would It was, like, passable. Me. It was, like, passable to watch, but then when, then, like, you compare it to Battlestar Galactica, though, and there's just no... It's like, you know, it's it's basically... You know, like if you saw Star Wars first and then saw Logan's Run, the TV show was basically you'd have the same level of disappointment if you'd seen Battlestar Galactica first than you saw the Logan's Run TV show. I gotcha. They both sort of compare in in style and, <laughs> and you know, level of cheesiness. But it, you know, I mean, I watched every ep. I don't, I don't even know if it ran a whole season, but I remember I watched every episode of it. But I watched every episode of Dukes of Hazard and The Hulk and anything CBS. <laughs> had. I, I didn't really watch stuff like Dallas and you know things like that, but I did watch them every once in a while, you know, because that's all that was on TV. <laughs> now it's it's been a good long while since you and I turned thirty, but. Uh... I know that on my 30th birthday, I remember having the distinct thought, this is last day. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not think that on my 30th yeah, birthday. I did. You know, in a humorous way, not in like a morbid right. way, but just in a humorous <laughs> way, I remember thinking, you know, well, you know, if I, if I lived in that world, this is last day. And, you know, that, 
I don't know what it is. You know, you ever you ever like focus on a line, like have like a, a line from a movie that's just your favorite, and you you don't really yeah. know why. It's just like an awkward thing. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts in this movie is uh, when uh, he's being attacked by the Cubs in Cathedral, and uh, he's he, you know he, he finally decides to fight back, and he's holding him off with his his gun. I forget what the hell do they call those guns? It's Aren't they supposed to be like a, some sort of sonic? They're like called flame guns. Yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. But yeah, and he he's holding the the cubs off, and he says, "How many of you want this to be last day?" I've always loved that line. You know, it's like that'll I always be, that, that'll be the last thing you say when you like take out the mall with like with all the dynamite <laughs> strapped to you, and you just finally snap. <laughs> well, Who here wants this to be a last day? <laughs> so I was just gonna say is I always I always wanted to get into like a like a fight where you needed to have a tough guy line and just do the, you know do that line. How many of you want this to be last day? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you'd have to hope the people that you were fighting were not nerds because that could sound pretty <laughs> tough if you'd never heard it before. But if you knew it was from Logan's Run, you'd be like, "Really, dude? You're trying to intimidate me with Logan's Run?" <laughs> Come on, man! Get some John Wayne in here if you want to be tough. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> At least some Kurt Russell. Come on. Now the uh, the comic series. Now the comic series. Wait, one not, issue beyond ah, the movie. What's that? I thought the comic series rocked. Oh, excellent! It's um, beautiful. The the fight between Francis and Logan in the comics is way more dramatic and violent and and. Mm meaningful in the comic i thought than it was in the movie in the movie you almost it, it looks like he just sort of knocks him out it's like he killed him really he's dead <laughs> yeah in the in the comic it's very clear that he uses the pointy wings of the eagle yeah. on that flag and just stabs him multiple t- you know stabs him with the flag like a pike and it's very dramatic in the comic you know it's that's you know holding the flag and it's there's wind whipping it and yeah that 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 is the standout scene for me in the comic that's the scene that i always will remember like what it looks like and how dramatic it was i see the issues of that um you know various issues i don't know that i've ever seen the entire run at one time in a 50 cent bin or a cheap bin but i i do see issues and I'm just going to encourage anybody listening, if you ever see issues of Logan's Run in a 50-cent bin, pick them up. Because, man, if you if you like Especially good sci-fi, if you like the movie, yeah. Well, I, I'm looking it up here because I'm trying to remember how many issues it went beyond the movie. And I'm thinking it was only... Like a dozen one? or so? No, it only lasted seven issues. And I'm thinking there was only one that actually goes beyond the movie. But let me... I'm pulling up the cover image right now to be able to tell you authoritatively for sure here no i'm wrong um i was thinking it was a six issue adaptation just like star wars but it's not it's actually a five issue adaptation and then issue six oh that ter- that cover is terrible on six issue six and seven go beyond the movie and there's one of the two of these i want to say it may be number six that I don't know if it still does, but it used to go for a pretty penny because it had a Thanos 
backup story and it don't ask me why and you know in logan's run which clearly has nothing to do with the marvel universe proper that there was a thanos story but there was but you know this is going back to like uh what was it infinity what the hell was the name of that series infinity war gauntlet, gauntlet. that was it thank you that was it infinity i can't gauntlet. believe that just came out i know of my i head. can't believe <laughs> i know i can't believe you, you yeah i didn't i wasn't gonna say it but yeah um, but yeah, that was it. Infinity Gauntlet made everybody hot for Thanos there for a while. And so the, the price on this particular back issue skyrocketed unexpectedly. I have no idea if it's ever come down in value or not, but if it is still pricey, that's why, because it's got that Thanos story in, in the backup. But yeah, it had it had the two issues beyond the movie, and I don't remember anything about them other than it drew very heavily from the novel, which I am not a fan of. And they just it really didn't seem like it was going anywhere, and it was not very good. And uh, yeah, I mean, lasted two issues beyond the movie, and that was it. But the the five issue adaptation absolutely worth your money. It, it's oh man, I I I just I can't even tell you how great I think it is. Beautiful art, beautifully paced. Um, it's and, a, a classic art of that time period mm-hmm. of you know yeah. Perez, um, yeah. If, if well, it reminds me Perez. of like Howard the Ducks. I don't know. It reminds me of stuff that when I think of that time period and I think of the stuff where I love the art. It's in that style. You it know? reminds me of the what was the name of that storyline that ran in Marvel two and one for like several issues. It was like the Pegasus something, the Pegasus Project. Or the yes, <laughs> that's what it reminds me of because it's right in that same time period. Very similar style of Perez, and you know the the look is just you know that the adaptation uh-huh. of Time Bandits. Um, I don't know if you have that. I have. I, I have that. It's in the same sort of style. Oh Perez yeah, it's beautiful. No, it's not Perez, but it's in that same style. It's uh-huh. in the, and it may even be. It may be Jansen might be involved, and that might be what it is. But it's it's that like line between comic booky and realism, you know, and you know where everything is like. I don't know. It's just nicely detailed and. It's it, they're, they're beautiful, but that time period that was like, those were like the comics I liked best were the ones that looked like that that weren't overly stylish, you know. Right. They weren't over, but they weren't overly realistic too, and they had a th- sort of thick line to them too, which the you know, I think you know the Logan's Run definitely does be because of Klaus Jansen. Yeah. Really. And but I think George Perez looks good with a with a inker who's a little bit think in the right places yeah it's funny because i'm not a fan of of jansen and i was flipping through this first issue you know when i was uh looking at it at the comic shop today before i bought it just kind of walking down memory lane and i'm looking at this going wow you know who is this inker it's a very thick line but i really really like it and so i flipped back to the beginning of the the, the you know to the credits to see who it is and i was shocked i was like wow this is Klaus jansen but you know this was way before he became, you know, such before a devotee of, of yeah. Miller, you know, and right. before Miller he was style. when more when he was serving the style of the of the artist. Yeah. Although I don't think he was like as much like overwhelming it later, but he definitely got his own style and probably he became one of those. Him. Yeah, they would choose him to get that Klaus Jansen look. You know, it was probably 
sort of what I, I don't I don't know if some some artists I'm sure were, were probably resentful because he he it's not this way on Logan's run but eventually he would become one of those guys like a Vinnie Coletta where you know you could have any artist you know they could be great or they could suck and it wouldn't matter because it all looked the same it all looked the same when they cross yeah. dance and you know overpowered them every time and yeah, that's where, to, to my mind, that's where he gained the the bad reputation that he has with me. So that's why I'm, you know, really shocked to look at this and just think, wow, this is gorgeous because I don't typically think that when I see Klaus Jansen, you know. Yeah. But uh, it 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 is. It's it's so beautiful, and it's just the way it's paced. It's just paced really well, and you know the, it, I mean. For a movie adaptation, you know, you would think, ah, it's just a movie adaptation, you know, he he wasn't, you know, I mean, who brings their A-game to a movie adaptation, you know, just slap it together and get it out there, and this is not like that at all. No. I, this is this is Perez at his finest. Well, that's the thing, is when, when, when I would see, like, when I read this comic, the amount of care, and, you know, they took five issues to adapt it, mm-hmm. it gave you the feeling that they, you know, it spoke about the movie it said this movie was really you know really good to me that's what it said to me it communicated right, to me right. as a kid it's like this movie's really good that it's almost it's a science fiction classic because we've taken the time to adapt it because at that time like movie adaptations and comics that i knew about at that point the two that i can think of were um 2001 a space odyssey uh-huh. and star wars star wars yeah which are towering achievements of and then logan's run so that right. so i figured marvel was putting logan's run in that you know in that same pantheon of science fiction films well, and at you- the time period it sort of was you know it was one of the you know i mean Star Wars, Star Wars was way up on top of the heap, but Logan's Run, as far as science fiction films, was up there until Spielberg and really started just like probably knocking him down the list. Well, I tell you, you know, if it weren't for Jerry Goldsmith's soundtrack, I think I would actually favor the the comic over the movie as much as I love the movie. It's 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 that soundtrack, you know that. That yeah. really pushes the movie over for me, but uh, yeah, this this comic adaptation, I mean, it's it's so good. You know what? If I remember right, I'm pretty sure that I'm friends with uh, with Perez on Facebook. I just might see if we might be able to wrangle him sometime just to talk about Logan's Run. I, I would love to do that. That would be really interesting. Yes. But I think that's about all I got on this. Um, that's about all I got too. Yeah. Well, but, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you. Uh, I'm glad that you liked it. I I, w- I couldn't remember if it was one of your favorite movies or not, but I knew. I remember you liking it. It wasn't something I didn't like, but I mean, I it, it's it's one it's one of the few movies that I have uh, in my DVD like hard copy DVD collection, and I think I yeah. got it because it was like four. I was like actually, I think I was at like. Um, um, like a convenience store type place yeah. or a, a drug store, and it was like three ninety nine, and I was like, really? And it, and it was actually, it had the wide. It's one of those ones that has the widescreen on one side, 
Yeah, that's and, the and one I've the, got. Yeah, yeah, and then the cut version on the other, and it it's was got the funny clip thing to clip the cover closed on. Yes, it. Yeah. yes, so we yeah. got the same one, and I was just like, well, you know, I mean, I I, I would want to add Logan's Run to my collection, and for three ninety nine, what you know. I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's something that I meant to make a note of and totally failed to do is that, uh, yeah, anybody who's interested in this, you know, whether you're a fan or whether you just want to check it out on our recommendation, I mean, you can buy this movie dirt cheap. I oh, mean, yeah. every time, every like place grocery I, store yeah. check out, you know, yeah, everywhere I see it for sale, it's always like five bucks or less. So. Yeah, don't let that deter you. Just because it's cheap doesn't mean that it's you know it's crap. I mean, in this case, you're getting a steal on a great movie. At least I think so. I, I want to hear from the listeners. I, I you know you guys write in and tell me what you think of of Logan's Run. I really would like to know because um, right before we started recording, I was searching around to see if there had been uh, subsequent DVD releases of this movie since I bought the edition that Chris and I have. And, you know, I was looking to see if maybe there was like a two disc, you know, because it had its 30th anniversary back in 2006. So I was looking to see if maybe there had been a anniversary edition with like a second disc of bonus features or something like that. I couldn't find anything, but I um, looking on Amazon, I forgot that there was that, you know, the, the viewer rating thing on Amazon. So I went down all the way down the list and was looking at like the worst ratings just to see what people were saying about it. And, uh, it was kind of an eye opener that uh, some people really hated it. You know, some people were like, you know, it's total crap and it's so cheese and you know, there's no story and it's really boring. And I was like, wow, because I don't. I could see, I could see a lot of people say it's, it's one of those. I don't know. Those movies are dating really what seventies style cheesy movies. A lot of them are dating really well for me, and uh, and like it, it makes me pay attention to the story and subtext a lot more now with them than the special effects, you know, or, you know, the look of them, but still that, that design just doesn't seem as cheesy. And, and the weird electronic bleepy blippy music, I think that's sort of come back. Mm -hmm. There's elements of that in the neutron soundtrack too, of that, you know, weird bleepy blippy. Hmm. And, and, uh, I still haven't heard that yet. It's 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 very good. I I'm not a fan of that kind of music. Uh, although it's you know, it's you know as far as like techno electronic music goes, I think it leans more towards like driving music you would hear in a video game, right? And that's appropriate with Tron, right? But it's got uh you know it'll it'll have just sort of fleeting elements of the cinematic sound and then it has one moment it's probably about 20 seconds long and it's not even a repeat of the you know the the main tron theme the but it's like that you know it's that 8 bit electronic sound and it's a very you know you know getting ready to race a light cycle sound and i and i remember hearing that going Ooh, it sent shivers up my spine. It made me think, <laughs> I wonder what's going on in the movie in that. It's probably, it's got to be a something happening on the game grid. You know, it's got that total, you know, somebody's resin up to kick somebody's ass on the game grid. <laughs> but that's Tron. That's coming, though. Oh, it's close. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Even I'm ready. Yeah. 
But, well, um, yeah. I think that's about it for this one. Thanks for joining us, guys. I uh, hope we made it entertaining for you. And uh, join us next time. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Twotruefreaks.libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S C O T T. G-A-R-D-N-E-R Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, 
Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Burn reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. While attending a demonstration in radiology, student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the arachnid's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. Stan Lee presents... Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like guys look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. Welcome to Amazing Spider-Man Classics, where every month I and some friends will be discussing every book, every guest appearance, and every cameo we can find of our favorite web slinger, the Amazing Spider-Man. Are you tired of arguing over whether Ben Riley should have taken over the webs? Do you grow weary of the brand new day with all of its controversy? Then return with us to the early days. Return with us to the classics. Amazing Spider-Man Classics at Amazing Spider-Man. Dot Libsyn dot com. Life is a great big hang up. Wherever there's a hang up, you'll find the Spider Man. Just who the hell are you? He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Violate the treaty, Captain. Red alert! All hands, battle station! What are you scratching at? Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands, battle station. Monthly Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com.
<clears throat> All right, we ready? Yes. How you doing tonight? Good. I listened to your uh, Walking Dead episode, and all I can say is I'm really glad I wasn't there to piss on your guys' parade. Why? Because I'm just not into it near as much as all you. I mean, I've really? enjoyed number the four, show. Number four, like, like, clinched it for me. Like, number four, is, I was fucking just eating that up with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, see, oh, I listened to it after that had come out, and I was like, wow, you guys really called it. That was pretty cool. I wonder if we're going to call the whole governor thing. That was excellent how you guys uh, came up with that because once you said that, I was like, that gives justification for lopping off Rick's hand. Uh, it, it's perfect. just too perfect, you know, and they're yeah. building him. And number four, they're like, this guy's a badass, man. He fucking cauterized his own fucking wound with a hamburger press. <laughs> he heated up a hamburger press just like you fucking and used it just like you would use a hit and just sealed in the juices. I'm glad uh, somebody else realized that he was the dad from Mallrats, too. Because once I, you know, all through the episode where it introduced him, I was like, I you know like this fucking guy joke? something. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Steve so was so bad he lopped his hand off. That's funny. What's, hey, hang on one second. I got to go grab some fucking Tums or something because I got the fucking burps here. Hang on a nice. second. I just watched, I was watching the first half, I just watched like the first half of the pilot of the Logan's Run TV show. How is it? It's amazing how much, did you watch it when it first came out? No. That's when I last saw it, is when it first came out on TV. I remember it being on, and I remember just not having any interest in it at all, because it didn't have anybody from the, the movie in it. See, I think I saw it before I saw the movie. Oh, wow. And, and it's funny, because it has, like, like literally in the first ten minutes, Logan's had his, like, laps of... Uh, Jessica had his laps of faith and is running. <laughs> And like Jeez. they they change the whole idea of it. Like Francis is, they find out you find out there's these elders that are old people that are running the city, and they tell Francis if he brings Logan back and Jessica back that you know he can be an elder. You know he he can be an elder and live as long as he wants, or you know or or whatever. And so uh. he sends them out. But the 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 only thing that it's got go, going for it is good music. And it's got and it's got a sound effect that I'll mention in the show that I will pull the sound effect out and put in this background music because it's just actually hilarious. I was going to ask you if I could do this one. I was really interested in doing that unless you really oh, want sure. to. No, I just assumed you wouldn't have time to do it because this is this is done by Sunday. Yeah, no. So, you know, I mean, if you want to, but yeah, no, you know, I figured you'd want to to edit this episode. I just didn't know if you would be able to. But um, either way, either way, you could do it all part or none. However, you know, however it works out, I got, I got the this week especially because I don't have any band practices because everybody's doing H hang Thanksgiving. On. Hang on, just a second. Fucking phone's ringing again. I'll be right back. Okay. I wondered. I got your email or whatever about that, and I was like, I really wasn't sure what you were talking about. So it was, it was him that kind of. Gave you the idea? Yeah. That's cool.
Where the fucking it? flies it's coming from in here? Damn it. Is it Darren? Yes, it is. It's Darren Owens. Trying to find the specific podcast or podcast, the specific email he sent. He said he'll do mobile reviews too. I know you have tons on your plate. Is a Logan's run in the future? Hmm. I should make his day then. And then I wrote him something like, uh, I don't know where, is, where the answer is. Is this it? I said, Scott and I have talked about it quite a few times, and Scott even has family named after him. So, yeah, we like it. Because <laughs> he's like, do you like Logan's Run? And I'm like, you mentioning it just puts it more on our radar. And then I say, I can't say when, but there definitely will be a Logan's Run show. So I just wanted to remember, I just wanted to have his name so cool. I could do a shout out to him because I'm sure he'll be really psyched about that. I'm really psyched that there's somebody driving cross country <laughs> in a truck. We've been getting a lot of Gmails in the last few days. I have not checked them lately at all either. Maybe, oh, maybe man, if we got time near the end, maybe we should try to address a few email. Well, I was thinking maybe if we got the Logan's Run show done and how, I don't know how up you are, but we could maybe do just a shooting the shit show where we just shoot the shit and and read some mails because there's lots of mails in the Gmails. I wouldn't mind doing that. that. The only thing is I, I really do not want to be up late because I have been seriously fucking burning the candle on both ends. I'm sure. <laughs> and... Uh, um. I got somewhere to be tomorrow, so... I mean, in addition to being at work, so... <sighs> I'm tired right yep. now. I, yep. The reason it took me so long is... I got done watching the show, and then there's a, there was a short documentary feature, and I wanted to watch that, and then I wanted to kind of get my notes all in order. And then just about the time I was sitting down at the computer, I was like, you know what I really want, really, really, really fucking need right now is some Mountain Dew, so... I, that's why I, I message you and I some to my lips right now. <laughs> yeah, I went. I jumped in the car and went to the gas station real quick and bought a couple two liters and came back because I was like, I as psyched as I am for this, my energy level is like fucking zero. So I really needed to get some caffeine and sugar in me. So hopefully yeah, it'll I, kick in here shortly. I went shopping today for um, my roommates. Were like, let's go to the store and buy Thanksgiving food. So I'm cooking <laughs> Thanksgiving food tomorrow. So, oh, cool! Some uh, cornbread stuffing with sausage. Yuck! I don't think I'm going to do the bacon wrapped turkey this year. So normal turkey. Do some bacon wrapped bacon. There, oh, I got bacon. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Actually, my the my roommates were both. As, as a appetizer to keep, you know, while you're waiting for the food to get done, they wanted um, potato skins. So <laughs> I'm gonna make. So I'm gonna. I got all these potatoes. I'm just gonna scoop out the middle. Bake them. Scoop out the middles. Use the middles for mashed potatoes, and then uh, make bacony potato skins with the rest of them. All right. 
start recording. Yeah, I'm, I've got it recording on my end too. But yeah, I figure we should. I'll record if I'm gonna um, edit, and then if there's any problems, I'll have you send me yours. Okay. Um, what I'll do is I'm gonna mention a sound effect from the TV show, and I'll send you a sound clip. I'll okay. send you like a MP3 of of because there's yeah. Well, I'll, I'll... cool. And you do have, there is a sound, you do have the soundtrack to Logan's Run, Oh, absolutely, right? yeah. Yeah, there's a good I, one that came out a couple years ago. Um, okay, because there was, was a while where it wasn't available, wasn't it, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was that? only on an album or something like that, I, yeah. I had that in my head, and I think I have the album, so I was thinking in the back of the head that I might have to, like, burn the album for this, but that's cool. That should be on those discs that I sent you. There's a really good one. It's got yeah, everything. I just hadn't thought to look yet. All right, cool. I'm ready to start whatever you are. Do you want to bring it in? Or you yeah, I to... wanted to bring it in, actually. Okay. <clears throat> Take a drink of the dew here. <clears throat> 